this is the big one one. <laughs> Do we care about numbers, Bob? Do I care about numbers? No. Yeah. Sure, my age. Oh, that's that a, is that's a pretty 62? big number. That's, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought I was a sarcastic one. Well, <laughs> you did say something about needing to go to bed by 9 o'clock or something every night. So <laughs> If only. That only lends to its only. 60s. Here we are, folks. I hope you enjoyed episode 10. That one meant a lot to me to have Bob with me. So Katrina, I'm sure, hasn't heard episode 10 yet because it hasn't launched yet on, <laughs> as of this taping. So... <laughs> Um, what I did was I spoke uh, pretty in depth about where I come from okay. and my family and why I have the philosophy and, and uh, that I have for the marijuana plant, okay. the cannabis plant, and cool. exercise and how my family kind of uh, helped nurture who I am today. So we go we went into depth about that. So I hope everybody enjoyed it as much as I did. And thank you, Bob and Justin, for being a part of that. And Justin, thank you for telling us about disc golf. Of course. That, that was course. an excellent piece. <laughs> um, so today we have a very special guest who is probably one of the most well-rounded entrepreneurs I've ever met, and let alone the fact that she is sexy and she is from Rochester, uh, lives in Rochester now, excuse me, and is involved in any possible thing you could do to help people. Um, her name is Katrina Lee. She is the host of the Beyond the Pole radio show, which is on Armed Force Network, which produces here in Rochester, New York on Thursdays from 10 p.m. to midnight at Rochester Free Radio. Get a little plug to Rochester it Free is. Radio. Rochester we got her start. Yes. <laughs> 106.3. So I love it. 106.3. And I like to start every episode by explaining how I met Katrina and a mutual friend knew I wanted to get into the podcast game and her radio show had a studio. So Rochester Free Radio provides a studio time for the community and in Rochester as well as some established programming. And Katrina had a show and her and I talked and I talked about the, me wanting to get in a podcast and not knowing what the heck I was doing. And she offered me so very nicely to come down to her studio and listen to an episode and meet her crew and kind of understand how Rochester Free Radio, how I could have used that for a podcast in the beginning. Uh, and then after I went to see her episode, I did a little more research and that's why I finally went into Podbean and chose the format I did because I really wanted to be on iTunes right away. And you got to be careful because with Iron Force Network, you really can't talk about your topics and the same on community radio. That's so, I'm so glad she just said that. So the segue <laughs> is my son-in-law is, uh, my son-in-law who my daughter got married last year to him. He is in 29 Palms, just got back from deployment. He is a sergeant. He was doing some artillery. He, he was that gentleman who would speak to the airplane pilots as they were going to drop stuff on the bad oh, wow. people between Syria and Iraq at one point. Um, that was part of his job. And now he's coming out and he's looking to go into officer school and he just put his application in. So uh, the military, yeah, the military is very good to me. And uh, and I'm very excited for him and my daughter at 29 Palms right now. Yeah, so We just had Veterans Day and everything. We all support them. So. And my daughter, every time I've been to 29 Palms twice now. And the one thing I get told is, Dad, do not come with any of your hemp shirts, hemp sweatshirts, and do not bring any THC onto this base. And I absolutely follow that to the letter because that is the most secure base in the United States. And that base sends most of the people out to deployment. So before they are going overseas anywhere to help our country, they are usually training in 29 Palms. Uh, and I heard some of Where that. Where is the 29 Palms? Curious, Great. I don't know. I won't say the it. exact location, but most people could see it on a map. Uh, it is between Vegas okay. and Palm Springs, closer to Palm Springs in the Mojave Desert. That's not Area 51, is it? No, that's no. north no. of Nevada. Yeah, that's <laughs> north of Vegas. So this is south of Vegas. Yep. But uh, yeah, and actually, I, I've like I've said before, I've driven all but four in all but four states in this wonderful country of ours. 
And that my favorite drive is from Vegas to Palm Springs or the Mojave Desert. Yeah. By far of all the drives I've been through, including Yellowstone and Shenandoah National Park, like that drive to me in the Mojave Desert is like being on the moon and just mo- uh, really incredible. Um, mm-hmm. So that is enough of me. Now we are here to hear from our lovely guest, Katrina Lee. Yeah. Well, I don't know. There's so much going on in my life is insane. Like I'm all over the place. So I kind of explain it that I'm like suboxone, sparkles, like all different stuff. So I owned a chain of adult stores inside strip clubs. I started working for Hustler Magazine when I was 18. I worked at the Sundowner in Canada and I was told I had a really pretty package and uh, they put me right into Barely Legal And that's how it started. So eventually I became the Real Girls of College Series and Hustler financed my college education. And I got a BMSW. Yeah, what what, what was your trigger there? What was it? Her package? Yeah, Yeah. yeah, well, you know, pussy, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) I usually have to, my show, I have to like watch everything I say. So we say uck and, you know, instead of like filtered. (laughs) Oh, I like that. Has that been difficult to, a challenge to to deal with? It was initially, but it's not. It's for my friends, it's really hard. For me, and now I'm used to it. So it's been almost two years. And uh, so I started there and then the Real Girls of College series for university at Buffalo. I got my BAMSW and then I got my um, master's in business administration from the Johnson School of Management at UB also. And um, I would drive around and I would um, make dancer clothes in a suitcase and I would bring it around to all the clubs. And then I would be I was called the traveling peddler of smut. And I go to club to club and then I started and I opened my first adult store inside Mademoiselle when I was 18 years old and I would literally like sell clothes all the girls. And then what didn't sell, then I'd take it and I'd go down to your EPA because in Buffalo and Western New York, our bar hours are four o'clock. Most places are two. So Rochester's two o'clock and like Erie PA is two. So I do a radius circle so I could always go to those clubs and get back home in time. Around my friends, so. Oh, I love it. It was great, and I started that way. Um, So all my money just kept flipping and flipping it, and I had 18 adult stores inside strip clubs that I pitched to the club owners myself, and as a female, it's really hard, so you actually had to dance to work your way to the top. So I ended up dancing at over 50 different clubs, and I was starting to travel, and um, I saved all my money. I didn't do drugs. I smoked weed. I mean, I didn't do, like, coke. I didn't do heroin, nothing like that, Mm -hmm. and I watched the industry start to change, so, so what? So, how old are you now? If you don't mind me asking, I'm 36. Approximate, approximate, okay, 36. And, and no one would guess it. <laughs> You're not supposed to ask a girl. No, she's a, she's a guest. I and no I know, and, and, I, and I knew the answer already. That's why I knew this she would be. This off because I look younger, but yeah, I got yeah, half my life has been the adult industry. That's right. Thank 18. Yeah. 18, 18. So, we're talking now from like 18 to 30 in that, that yeah. range, right? Okay. Well, so not the, even 30. I would say, um, that span was like 18 to 23. Cool. Yeah, great. Keep going though. So I set up the stores and then I started featuring and then I was different. A lot of the girls would be in the bathroom and they just doing line after line and they didn't make money. I was out there sober greeting all the customers and I just, I did really well. I saved it and I had a great life, beautiful house, everything. Was married, became the divorce from hell. It was fine. We're not even getting that, but no. um, ended We've up owning a strip club and uh, just building up my businesses. No, and, and was that in Buffalo? You owned a strip club? I did, yeah. Mm-hmm. And which which one was it? Or is one on Arrow Drive? Okay, which is probably different names over the years. No, it's right? the same name. Oh, it is. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, it's still open. It's actually the number one strip club out there. Actually, whatever. It's Pharaohs. Mm-hmm. Really, it's the number one strip club in Buffalo. I'm that's good. I mean, there's a lot of different ex, people. But it's a yeah. really great club, and I love the people who work there, and I worked really hard to get it to where it is. And I opened an adult store in there um, 12 years ago, about, and I had it there for over 10 years. 
Wow. Now, is it just because uh, the stores aren't there anymore? Because I, there's there a store anymore, in there now. Mm-hmm. Um, another person took it over. Okay, excellent. Yeah. So it was time for you for new projects. New projects. And uh, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. So during this span, I ended up um, being in The Purge. And I was Marissa Tomei's stand-in. So when you watch in The Purge at the end, I'm the one who dies. And I do everything before she does it, like a hundred times, every angle of light. And then she comes out, just delayed, says the line, boom, done, in and out. I do all the hard work. Hollywood. I did Coldbrook with William Fickner. And that one was just in Woodstock. It was released October 12th at the festival. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. It's not in the theaters out here yet, so I haven't seen it. What's the name of that movie again? It's Coldbrook. And William Fickner did it. And um, Kim Coates and a couple people are in it. And then they just put on like a a movie poster finally on the IMDb pages. So It's it's getting up there. Mindhunter season two. And a whole bunch of different experiences and adventures. Almost anything they ask. So I'm doing the Cigar Club right now. We're filming in Buffalo, and that's supposed to be pitched for HBO. And this, I'm a madam in a, the mafia bar, kind of, and just hooking up the escorts to the customers. <laughs> and I have a sex scene, so if you look at the trailer, it's pretty fun. I'm in the bathroom. Oh, I love the it. guy. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. Banging stuff. on the doors. Yeah. So this is a potential, a trailer for potential. It's already on there. It actually was um, accepted. Oh, it was. Yeah. So Excellent. we're filming more scenes, and I did a lifetime movie called Scared Straight. And that was and most that, recent, right? Yeah, that was recent. I did that about a month ago with uh, Peter Johnson. He's Traz Johnson, and he's a casting director who did um, did Crown Vic. He did um, also The Purge, and he teaches at Buff State. Wow. He did another movie, too. I love when local people have all these projects that nobody well, knows Buffalo's about. Buffalo's getting a lot of movies. So they're not filming in L.A., and so there's a lot, and there's incentives, and Mayor Byron Brown is bringing a lot over here. It's amazing. We've had so many. Yeah. No, I mean, they're that all going to be coming out. Right. So you haven't seen them yet because they're all slowly coming out. The Purge was fast. That came out on July 4th. And there's a lot of dancers and everything from Buffalo that were in there. I'm like, I know her, her, her. Yeah, that's <laughs> amazing. Scenes, yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, though, to because people in the industry and they're used to we being in front of the camera, being going, in front of people. Yeah, exactly. We don't care. Follow orders. Wild. Yeah. You know. <laughs> You're talking about the first Purge? The first Purge. Yeah. That's what they're talking about. Yep. The first one. Because so. not what, the first one they came out, they call it the first Purge because that's how the Purge started. Oh, so this is the original it, Purge movie. Right, that's so it's sort of like a prequel. First, yeah, that's, yeah oh, I got so you. they called it, when we were filming it, Island Experiment. And then they changed the name. So a lot of times when movies are going on, you don't know what actually the title is going to be. You're not sure what it is. Yeah, because it could like, change. surprise, it changes. <laughs> that's so great. I love it. So through the years, I... Um, 18 years in the adult industry. I have lost well over 500 friends to drug addictions and um, heroin overdoses. And I started to do something about it. So I um, watched when OxyContin changed and they started uh, grinding down the pills and they used to snort them and then they went right to heroin. And I used to be down in Erie, Pennsylvania a lot. And uh, I went to school there and, and I studied sex trafficking. And I go back and forth between the Pittsburgh and the Buffalo field offices and it was fascinating, and it was my concentration. And I watched what happened, it was just so tragic, and these girls would just fall to the drugs. And then we started getting girls who were 18 years old, and they're already addicted, really bad to heroin, and they're already entering. And, like, once you enter the adult industry, and you're hooked like that, there's no out. Like, you're going to find some guy who's going to think he's saving you, but he's enabling you, maybe an adult child of an alcoholic who's codependent, or you're going to get guys who are just using you for sex. 
Mm-hmm. So you just go down and there's no outsell overdose. And then they might get in drug court and then they throw them in and out of jail. They don't have any job skills. They don't know what to do. And of course, they end up overdosing when they get out. So let's take a few steps back. <laughs> Sorry. No, you're good. No, uh, this is a, this is the real reason I, I wanted to have Katrina on for everybody else because I, I wanted her to talk to her all the time. She's phenomenal. <laughs> and she's always too busy to, to take time out. So I had to get her in this podcast studio <laughs> to get this done. But I want to go backtrack a little bit. So when you first were in the industry, was it mostly weed for all the girls and a little Coke? Weed and Coke. Right? And then and then I noticed when I was at Morrisville, so this is back in the early 90s, the only other thing I saw was the other weed and Coke was like Noto's being chopped up or minced that. up you know that's all i saw back in the day for me so now you're saying it went from coke to well in the strip clubs i mean the girls had money and yeah. it, the industry was great of and course. it was a better so i mean so then it was just yeah it was a lot of coke and weed what would you say that's really it started to increase last 10, 10 years? years ago and then that's when it kind of exploded and it's not if you look at most girls who are 35 or older indians they were not on heroin it's coke some maybe graduated crack, but really few, like hardly any. Most of the girls are 18 are in heroin. Yeah, no, they're, it's the young ones. So the older ones. So let's say, what does Coke do for the women in that environment? Does it, it help them keep them, keep them up later? It, I, I mean, mean, you're happy. It's more fun. It just, it just becomes the more dances, tolerable. The, whole. the lights, the whole experience, I guess. Yeah. So, okay. Interesting. I'm just curious for other people out there who are judging and it shouldn't be a judging thing because for some people that they can do stuff like this in moderation, there's not many, but yeah. you've seen some that possibly can do Coke in moderation, right? I think so. I mean, the percentage is low. It's low. It's a dangerous road. It's dangerous. It's risky. Like you don't know if you're going to get hooked and you don't know the level and when you stop. So I know a lot of people who maintain and used it. Um, my ex is really bad on it, and he was 50. He turned it, and a lot of his friends were having heart attacks. And it was all kind of because of the drug. It, they weren't overweight or anything. Yeah. It's because well, it actually, happens after years and years of it. When you're doing coke a little bit, what happens is your metabolism goes higher. You don't. You want to eat less. You know, uh, There's other conditions that go on that change your body a little bit with that, yeah. you know, unhealthy living. Um, so let's move on to the, to the opioids. And uh, Bob... Definition of opioids for people. I know you looked it up for us this week. Definition of an yeah, opioid? Yeah, what is an opioid? What is an opioid? Yeah. Well, I, I know me. that. <laughs> I don't know what it is. From what I've read, the original opioids have been around, well, opium has been around for thousands of years. And then when it became a little bit more into society, like in the 1800s, especially in the, in the I believe in the States, they used it for everything. They used opium for everything, for colds, for pain, for bronchitis. But then it grew from that even further and they became morphine. And out of morphine became heroin. And in the, by 1920, heroin became such a problem that they took it off. It was no longer available for public use, for purchase, from what I understand. I didn't realize that. Know that, yeah. Yeah. Because what, like Kurt Cobain and all the. No, 1920. Oh, 1920. Yeah, we're talking about yeah. just before the Roaring Twenties. So yeah. they actually stopped it before the Roaring Twenties. Wow, that's a long time. Yeah. yeah. But, I, mean, I remember please. seeing those movies with the opium dens and. That's, opium dens. They would be like all passed out. And that was like in the 20s, though, wasn't it? The Roaring Twenties? That was probably under underground opioid dens, maybe? Because if they took heroin away, I'll bet you that's exactly what happened because people were making money in the 20s, right? It was everybody was heyday, right? right. Just and before it, the depression. And all I can imagine is is with the uh, with heroin at its peak in the 20s, or if it was at its peak, yeah. it's like you take it away from, you're going to want it. Knowing you can't say, thanks, you're not going to have this anymore. If you're already addicted to it, 
you're going to find a way to get into it even more. How about this for the federal government on top of it? They took away heroin, which they should have. Okay. I'm not saying they shouldn't have. Okay. I'm agreeing. But then they tried to take alcohol away, like prohibition, right? Are you kidding me? What were they, what did, how are people going to like, the bootlegging. Are you kidding me? I mean, what were they creating? (laughs) It was a monster, but marijuana wasn't illegal then. I mean, marijuana was pretty much, you could smoke then. It wasn't taboo then. It wasn't even taken off the pharmacopoeia in 1942. But even when they took it away in the 1920s, they still didn't understand the addiction at half of it. I mean, they discovered it, it took like over 50 years for them to understand that it was only environmental. Um, uh, what's, where's my notes? <laughs> please, please. I read a book that was really neat on Jack the Ripper, and they said that the opium dens were really big back then, and like people would just be passed out and like connected and so like they zombies. make sense. So, so they that discovered was the same time, right? They discovered that addiction is a combination of the the chemical, the social, the biological, and emotional and environmental factors. So they didn't really understand the whole concept of addiction until the late 1900s you know, 1970. And even then, it still wasn't 100%. So we're still learning about it. And it's just now the phenomena is just unstoppable. So I'm going to unleash Katrina here, but I have one story that I want to tell from my perspective of opioids of a couple that I saw. So it's a just a random couple. So we're working for the post office as a delivery supervisor slash manager. We end up doing express mail a lot, which is the overnight mail. Mm-hmm. And generally speaking, in that overnight mail was medicines for people. Okay. So if it came into the office, rarely would we have our carriers come back. We'd have our carriers come back sometimes, grab these pieces, and go back out to the roots. But sometimes that wasn't efficient. So I'd have to take it out a lot because they'd come in at 11 o'clock. They had to be delivered by noon. I'm saying this for the union, by the way. That's why I'm saying it this way, so yeah, I don't get yeah. a bunch of posts of people going, oh, he was not supposed to deliver express. <laughs> okay. So anyways, over the course of, a, I would say, let's be fair, 24-month period, I watched a couple in my delivery zone where I would deliver express pieces that I knew as medications because you see the return address that, uh, for anything um, heavy op- opioids you have to sign for. So they always have to sign for everything mm-hmm. from the pharmacies. So I noticed that they would get them from multiple pharmacies. Over the course of two years, their house at the beginning when I first started delivering these, I think it was the husband that needed it for an injury. Okay. That's all I know. This usually starts. Okay. So... And then the wife was very talkative in the beginning, first couple of times I deliver, chat with her. Then over the course of two years, I noticed the mo- the grass not being mowed. Then I noticed um, around the house, the Christmas decorations didn't come down the, after the first full year. I noticed that thing the cars were showing up and then not leaving. Like oh, there was two cars regularly there, and all of a sudden there was four regularly there, and I don't know why, but it, uh, they not, none of them looked like they were moved. By the end of the two years, to end this story, I ended up, the last time I delivered an express piece to this couple, they'd come in a couple times complaining that they didn't get packages they ordered, so I knew something was going on. But the last time I was out there, all I got was her arm and a pen to sign for the package and then put the arm away to put the pen away. I don't even know if she had clothes on. Put her arm back out to grab the express piece out of my hand. The only thing I've seen out of these people, obviously I, I'm, I, I was a journalist. I'm root cause. I'm good at I am pay attention to what's going on. This is the only thing I saw as the root of, of their issues is I saw a three times increase of the opioids I was delivering from four different pharmacies at one point. Th- this was in two years of someone that had t- total middle-class couple in their 40s, looked like they had all going on. Husband gets hurt next, you know, two years later. That's what I saw. Falls apart. 
It's crazy. So, so how, how have you seen that in your life? And I know you've seen it over and over, Katrina. I'm um, not quite on that level. I'm watching it attack the adult industry. So we have to target it on multiple ways, shapes, and forms. So I stood up for my friends after watching it. Like, they turned to prostitution. They end up on back page. They end up in jail. They get thrown in and out of drug courts. Then they're sober, and then they go right back to the vice, and they overdose and die. And even Coke now has got fentanyl in it. And they're overdosing, and they die immediately. Like, your brain starts bleeding, and we can't can you? We can't save you. There's no shot. It's done. And there's bad batches going on like crazy, and um, it's sad. And uh, it just goes to such a level. Why is fentanyl getting in all these drugs still? This is the piece I don't understand. So I, I watch random shows about, you know, cartels. And if someone mm-hmm. screws up someone's, they all know the chain and they try to stop that so it doesn't happen again, right? So if, if someone is selling pure Coke down the line and next thing you know, two, to, two ways down the line something happens, those people are bringing the pure and don't want that to happen to their ship because it ruins their supply, ruins their money making. So how does fentanyl get all this stuff without like the head dealers getting mad that people are dying essentially they when they go back the up the chain? They want it. They're like, oh, wow, you had to Narcan him? That's elephant tranquilizer. I want that high. I want it so bad. They beg for it. They go and they look for it. They're seeking it out. That's the problem. I mean, Prince. Uh, they uh, look for it Tom and they don't Petty. realize it. Oh, well, I don't know what that no. was. Oh. No, fentanyl was in Prince, Tom Petty. Fentanyl was a key element oh. of their deaths. And they're hooked. My friend, and I'm not going to say any names, she uh, was toying around with fentanyl because she was a nurse and she thought she could do it. And uh, she had a foot injury, almost lost it, and she was uh, overdosed. And uh, she went into a coma. And she was in a coma for 100 days in Rochester. And they had to pull the plug after she clawed up and was going to live like that the rest of her life because she didn't die. That's why she didn't test it. You would live. She cried. She was very alert. She knew everything going on. And then, thank God, they let her out of her misery because she would have lived in her home like that forever. That's why you shouldn't toy with this stuff. But these addicts, and I talk to people, and I never done heroin, nothing like that. And they say that they want the chase. And my um, one producer on my show was an addict, and he says they go after it. They go after it. Like, oh, I heard that's good. And then they want the Narcan. They want the best stuff. They want to be brought back to life. That's how sick the disease of addiction is. And on top of it, we're getting young girls who are 18 years old, and they're taking cocaine, and they're mixing it with Kool-Aid, and they're shooting it up into rubber pieces that they insert in their ears, and it changes the flavor of it in your mouth. And they call it a science experiment, and their eyes light up and literally like almost drooling with joy thinking about it. That's really sick. And that's what's coming. So it comes through their ear canal? Yeah, they put it in their ear, and you taste it in your mouth. And they're shooting up cocaine mixed with Kool-Aid. And that's the big trend now. And that's what the kids are doing. <sighs> so we're not talking about people our age. We're talking about like 16-year-olds yeah. to 21. No, the kid, the people our age that I get mad at, they do the nitrous balloons outside of concerts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's the same thing, just different levels. But yeah. I thought, I thought that was a dying thing. No, it no, is not even close like to dying. No, they have actually like canisters and you can get them at trade shows and they got like these little it's things. It's opposite and, like, of dying. Yeah. It's actually growing. Opposite Nitrous is growing. It's growing huge. You can get it at the trade shows with like all the like pot conventions and stuff. Seriously. It's just, I've, I've seen it everywhere. Not yeah. just fish shows. Any show I've been on the outside of, on the periphery, even around Rochester, it's everywhere again. It's ridiculous. So I'm sorry to take up, but <laughs> this okay. is just no, simple. No, I don't understand these addictions. I don't understand I, either. I don't. I don't and Nitrous is addicting problem. too. Yeah, I never um, tried. I try to stay away from stuff like that. Just weed. <laughs> Weed and water. Yeah. Mother and father. Weed and alcohol. So. <laughs> are my vices. 
Man, so Recovery Now New York Sober High School. Okay, so I'm please. part of Recovery Now New York, mm-hmm. and we are, you go on recoverynownewyork.com, you will find we are opening a sober high school in 2020 in Rochester. So kids who get addicted to drugs and they don't want to return back to the same vices, the same school, and the same people can go somewhere where it's clean and it's going to be treated like an AA where you'll greet in the morning and you'll do the circles and then you'll start your classes. And it will be open within 2020 in Rochester, the first one in the area. It's a great concept. And Monroe County is amazing and we have a great team of people here. Um, We literally are slaughtering Erie County and the other ones around. It's incredible and I'm so proud to be part of it. So, so tell us more about this team. I want, I want so to hear So on other parts, we also have the Gates Recovery, which there's one in Gates, and they're connected to the police departments. There's one in Rondecoy, Penfield, or expanding more. I'm opening one in Holland, New York, which is actually in Erie County. Also, because that's where I'm from, and they have really bad heroin issue right now. And you walk in, and they have different programs. And there's like Narcan training, um, like a, they give you pamphlets and stuff on how to help you get into detox or whatever you need. They'll talk to you, AA meetings, anything. So I started a CPR training program because I was living in my house and I had a, a psycho housemate who fell in love with me and decided that he was going to do a murder suicide. And I was supposed to go down with him. And he was going to food poison me with lobster um, sandwich roll. I luckily smoked a lot of weed and ate a whole bunch of Oreo firecracker cookies. This is in July instead and didn't eat the lobster. He ended up being on the floor, passed out. I thought something was wrong and I narcaned him three times. It didn't work. And then I had a CPR on frantically calling 911. And I looked at the Narcan cats and it says, make sure you try CPR because sometimes Narcan doesn't work. And I realized no one really knows how to do CPR. A lot of my friends didn't, and so I called, and I asked to set it up. So the Gates Recovery, after what happened, started CPR training, and that's because of me. And we initiated I think it's a great it. idea. I know it should be hand-in-hand been- hand with Narcan, especially because it's on the kit. I have been certified four or five times for CPR, and I would still say I'd be fuzzy right now if this moment happened right now. And and I'm I, I'm pretty good remembering things like that, so I think Especially it's a great idea. Especially in a frantic situation, you don't know, and even the CPR training, like if with kids, is so different. You don't know. Because you, like, you can just harm. push them as hard as you want. Those babies, you're like, you don't hurt them. I'm like, what? <laughs> in the training, you're like those fake dolls, and you're just giving the CPR is nuts. <laughs> so so, what do you know about CPR that could help people in the moment? Like, what what things could you tell them right now? Nothing. As far as the training, then where could they go? To, is, oh, they can go to Gates please. Recovery. A lot of the um, fire halls offer it. You can look it up. Uh, Gates Child Life for sure does. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, uh, yeah, just Gates Recovery. Um, so many places. Really, you can Google it. Same with, uh, they have babysitting classes. So that if something happens, the kids know it goes kind of hand in hand with lifeguard schools offer it. Uh, I think the community bulletins probably have it listed. And that's a great idea. I did that as a kid. My mom made me go through that. Yeah. And my brother and sister and my daughter went through that program as well. Um, I think it's a great program. What it basically gives kids 12 years old, 13 years old who want to start babysitting kind of an overview on what to th- think about like from parent perspective and yeah. what they're responsible for and yeah, how much you get paid it. and all sorts of stuff. I lately. took it, but I didn't remember it when it came down to it. That's I was right. like, oh God, it was CPR. And he's lucky he's, I did a little wrong, but he's lucky he's alive. So I saved him. Yeah. Just for your little bit of knowledge. So I, Everybody, just Google CPR. Make sure you at least know some of the basics of something because it doesn't have to be someone overdosing in front of you either. I mean, who knows what's going to happen medically in front of you when? It could even be a pet choking. You never know. I mean, there's so many YouTube videos, really. I mean, but you should go to training. Yeah, class can be done in a day, can't it? (laughs) It's free at like an hour. (laughs) 
Yeah, I remember with the post office, it was a two-hour training session the last time I had. That was probably 10 years ago or something. So then part of the um, whole thing with Recovery in New York is two guys and a girl radio and they're sober radio. And then they talk about all different topics and discuss it. Just, um, do you know when that's Sundays, on? It's on Sundays. It's on 6 to 8 on 106.3 Rochester Free Radio. And say that again, because I want people to understand what that show is, because it's two guy, two girls and a guy, right? Two guys and a girl. Oh, two guys and a girl. Yeah. And it's sober radio, and they talk to all different places. Uh, Huther Doyle, they have Shep Says on quotes, and it's all different ways on bettering your life. So for anybody sober. out there that's on the edge, it's Rochester Free Radio? Yep, RochesterFreeRadio.com. Do people call in for that? or They call into that show, yeah. So you talk to people out in the community. They, they do. That show and does. they bring in all different people. All the time, everyone linked with Rehab Recovery. It's a really good show if you want to listen to that. And these people tell their stories? Yeah. Wow. My show, I call it Life Hab, and it's Howard Stern Styles Drip Club Life Hab. So it's Betterment of Life because my population that I target don't want to be sober completely. It's almost impossible. So we're going to wean you off heroin, but maybe if weed's going to save you from it, that's okay. Maybe if you can't stop drinking and you're drinking a bottle a day, you got to portion control yourself by getting five mini bottles. That's a step in the right direction. We're targeting on ways to fix it till you kind of wake up and realize there might be a problem. I love it. It's different. It's my yeah. idea. Life Hab was my word. It didn't life even have? exist. Life no, I like, I like so. Life Hab because it's different than Life Coach. Yeah. Because Life Coach to me is a little bit like, Life Coach, I don't need a coach you know, for my yeah, life. Yeah, they have no. those like class things. And then like Life Hab is anything. It could be like learning how to save money better, investments. I mean, it covers all realms. So, hey, what, Life Hab. What's, what's been, what has surprised you most about your radio show? I you know, my favorite one was a jail episode. So I didn't think it would explode the way it did. So I was in just this awful divorce and I was arrested over and over for things I didn't do because he's a psychopath and you got to control someone. So legally when they're away from you, that's what you do. So I go, yeah, she's from my house, get arrested three days in three days out. Stupid. So I put together, I'm like, I'm not going to lose my radio show. I just started it. And I put it together inside the Erie County holding center in uh, Buffalo, New York. And they didn't realize what was going on because they thought I was crazy because they were listening to him. And they were shocked that I managed to put through. So it went from 100,000 listeners to 500,000 listeners to a million listeners within two weeks. And I let inmates talk on the radio. And the big thing that was so crazy is this girl, they were seriously abusing individuals inside the segregated centers. Now the holding cells for women, they don't have detox zones. So if you're going, you think it's good to send your kids to jail so they sober up is not if you're a female in the Erie County Holding Center. If you're a man, it's okay. Women, they didn't upgrade it yet because they're not used to so many women being in jail, but the problem is drugs have changed. And that's why there's more women. Back in the day, it wasn't. Most of the women in jail are drug addicts or people who became prostitutes or boosters because drugs. They're not serious criminals. So they're not doing the right treatment plans that are helping them. So they throw them in and out, in and out, and nothing happens except maybe they die. Who wins? No Go one. to court and pay some fines, maybe. And they can't even afford it. So yeah, then exactly. they just give it's up. A treadmill. 
they're not helping them. And that's what I'm trying to do is to stop it because it's just sickening. And I lost so many friends, not maybe close friends, like acquaintances to it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, because you, know, you, I mean, bring in my house, your network, but, you know. your network, your network's so large. Of course, you have acquaintances that you're going to learn yeah. their his stories because you, you travel in those and networks. And so I knew him and it was just amazing. So I let this girl in there and um, she was on my radio show talking about how they weren't letting her get her meds and she was schizophrenic. They're supposed to give you your meds. She kept asking, they were mocking her because she's in there multiple times. After they hosed her down with a fire extinguisher in front of everyone, which is so illegal, they didn't realize I was recording it all. And then later on, seven days a week after, she completely goes wild after no meds, schizophrenic rage, pulls the toilet off of the bolts, tries to escape through the toilet, flushes it all out. Officers have to go in to stop her, and then she mauls and beats them down and ends up in a huge lawsuit. And then my radio show helped the Erie County Holding Center get sued. Smart. Excellent. That's and, what happens and, when and, you abuse people and treat right. them wrong. And, and it I can be done right. Yeah, it was abusive. So if you're going to do that, you should have COs who work with people who are mentally ill. It should be both. It should be hand in hand. Like, why is it just someone in a power trip? It was sick. They were do the most abuse. They would mock them in front of them, their faces and just ridicule them. And because I actually was very intelligent and knew what was going on and I shouldn't have been there, I witnessed it. And I was like, okay. And I just sat there letting everyone know. And I feel there's a reason for everything. I know I was there so I could help others. Like there Heck yeah. for sure. That's exactly what I was just going to say. You almost thank your ex-roommate for, for going down that cycle because it turned out you fix a problem that is going to resolve itself. Yes. Uh, it has to now because the attention is on it. All of it. Oh, I, I always try like to this. find the positive out of something. Have to. Something bad. Like you got to look. And that's why, like, even when he did the whole thing in the house, me, I'm like, come on, something positive. I'm like, okay, the CPR. All right. I'm going to help save lives. That's good. <laughs> So how does are you have to be careful in Erie County now? Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, I try to avoid it like the plague. That's why I moved to Rochester. So, so <laughs> I'm gonna say this out there. Uh, you know, I'm a little bit. Uh, uh, I understand how law enforcement works. So yeah. basically, the people she is talking about were not patrolmen, generally speaking. These guys were were uh, people well, that work in the jail. The generally speaking, yeah, yeah these those- are in the jail. So, uh, secure a uh, security. So the actual police that are in the jails, these are not the people that are on the streets yeah, trying to be proactive police, policing. Yeah. So, and this makes it harder for law enforcement too. So now you bring this out to light, which needed to be mm-hmm. now patrolmen are dealing with issues on the street. They see the same cycle. They were trying to, they're probably, I'm sure they're, talking to their superiors saying, this is a bad cycle. There's people in the network and now you have to come out by being in there. You're the one is the squeaky wheel, so to speak. Instead of, I'm sure there was other squeaky wheels in that network, in that Erie County that were mentioning this. I'm sure you weren't the only one. Oh, tons. My ex is directly linked to a lot of shady people and it was a divorce from hell and I was arrested over and over for things I didn't do by paid off police officers. I was assaulted inside the club and they didn't file the domestic papers, even though they should have an incident report that was pink. I called them over and over the Chittawaga Police Department for a week and they didn't file or do their job because they were paid off because so much money. You donated $15,000 for the clan bake. The Buffalo Police Commissioner had to step down and end up retiring in the middle of nowhere and shocked everyone because they were paid off. It was a nightmare. And the whole marriage was bad because I was intoxicated. And on the day of my divorce in the club and a state Supreme Court justice who is Republican appointed skipped the 24-hour wait period, lied and said that my husband was having emergency medical surgery on September 18th, which is the last known 
down on the mafia's birthday and forced a marriage on that day I didn't remember and I could not get out of it and it was the biggest mistake I ever made in my life. But on the other hand, it's probably the best thing I ever did because I learned so much and I'm helping so many people. It's amazing. So the, pa- the path you've been on has been, yeah. There'll definitely be a movie about me, trust me. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know if people remember already, she only mentioned a couple minutes ago, she's a University of Buffalo graduate. Yep. Multiple degrees. Multiple. Say, the, say the degrees again. Just I have everybody. a master's in international business administration from the Johnson School of Management and I have a BAMSW, Master's in Social Work. And uh, my son currently goes to UB. He's a sophomore, a finance it's major. It's a great school. Yep. It really is. It's incredible. And he if he, me opportunities. At, while I'm talking to you, if he thinks of leaving UB without his MBA, I'm just going to be like, uh, Katrina, you have, you have to have a little <laughs> chat with my son right now. Like, <laughs> like, look at all the amazing things you're doing in your life, but you still took that time to get your degrees. Yeah. While, you were, them, so. while you were also going to uh, Erie and Rochester and Buffalo, dancing, working at night, dancing. Everything. Finance it all through it. Workaholic. I did. I, I do admit that I picked classes that like you didn't have to be in attendance, and they were test taking. So I picked like larger ones. So I'm a test taker. Great at them. That, so, so I kind of showed up that, yeah. for the tests, and you know, right at home, I wasn't there every day. So, so you, <laughs> you must be a voracious reader then. I read and I hold info. So I'm H Sam. Mm-hmm. Highly superior autobiographical memory. Oh, explain that to people, because like me, it's different. Like you can kind of remember everything huh. year for year in the rooms and the pictures, and it's interesting. And I like to tell people when I I have a little different um, trait. I don't know, gift. When I walk in a room, I see every everything in the room. Generally speaking, people like yeah. I, I look around really quickly and assess who might be trouble, who's not. Yep. I have that thing everywhere good, I go though. yeah no and it's natural it's been from my journalism days I, I explained it last last week um definitely comes from that but I enjoy it I think it helps me and I see you're the same way you similar too even with like oh that guy looks antsy ready to go for a dance or no, <laughs> no seriously reading people right and reading while you're everything. sober and, and it, since you're, you were sober maybe a little drinking when you're out yeah. and, and just smoking cannabis cannabis helped you be more aware right then it help very calm I was able to blend in better and... so let's talk about your cannabis usage when you started let's that's a big piece of our okay. podcast so yeah, come on. Let's um, talk about cannabis a little bit. Probably about twelve years old. My parents were big smokers. Uh, family and your, and your parents do what? No, back in the day they were hippies. Yeah, yeah. So and now they're like, they're yeah. Back in the day they were, um, you know. And then they grew up and then hit us. And then I was like the bad little seed running around trying to rebel against them. I love it. Yeah. So how many brothers and sisters do you have? I have a sister. Okay, so you're one of two. Excellent. So cannabis. So it was young when you did it. Yeah, I was young, and I just always. Stuck with it. So here, here's something for people. How old are you, did you say again? 36. No, no. When you started cannabis. Oh, 12. So you were 12. And did I you hear this, folks? I lived in a folks? farm town. We had nothing to do. They used to say cannabis was bad or having it too early in life, which which I, I still would peop, warn people about doing it too early in life. I told my son and his friends that any of the ass to seven, wait till they were 17 yeah. till they were developed more. But at 12, apparently you got you figured it out. Now, do you think you were able to get away with the cannabis because of your... Uh, ability to retain information and withhold it like that? Do you think maybe... I just don't think anyone cared. We're, it was a small town. It was Holland. There was nothing to do. No, and... I'm just thinking about you personally, how, how it affected you. Like, Do you think it helped? I think it helped. Yeah. I was ADHD. I was super hyper, and it kind of helped me blend in normal. Oh, really? Can, and, we can't tell that yet, guys. Yeah, can we? Like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> she has been indulging with me, and we both have the high energy still, so her yeah, and I definitely like, are from the same mold. <laughs> I like, love it. You're like, shoot me up to your level. <laughs> You're there. You've been there way before. I mean, I'm right. sure. 
So, so cannabis, um, uh, friends, like, so you, you, it's been welcome in your house. Like you never got yelled at coming home smelling no. like it, which is great. No. Yeah. And no, I was good about it. Um, I used to like kind of be like skateboarding and the cops would come and shake us down and take our weed, but we never got in trouble and we get like trespassing tickets or something by being by the train tracks, stupid stuff. Nothing really came. All your friends were your friends indulging as well. All my friends, yeah, yeah. Then they went a little wilder. Some went on to harder drugs, and that's what's sad and tragic. And others just kind of stopped and had kids and grew up and became boring. Yeah. Well, 2012 study says it was alcohol and nicotine are the gateway drugs, not marijuana. So I'm assuming the people that went off those rails also were probably cigarette smokers and alcohol. Yeah, they were all like we all used to smoke Camel Reds. I don't think they make them anymore. Ooh, I don't even know. Can yeah, Camel Reds. (laughs) Those those are without the filters. Yeah, they're just. Oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we would have like Kurt Cobain shirts and Janko jeans and like a ZKY hat sideways and a skateboard. <laughs> so are you just THC or CBD and THC both, or like as far as the plant goes, the cannabis plant? Are you all THC? Yeah, all THC. Yeah, I am too. I, CBD just. Doesn't I try the CBD. I just doesn't do anything. It seems like waste of money. Yeah, I mean, because uh, everybody, it's different, right? Like some people, CBD, it's perfect offset for them. For me, it only thing does is it makes my personality a little bit more intense, and yeah, I don't I need don't that. I don't even think the whole like medical marijuana works that well. I got it at Columbia Care in Rochester, and you got to put it in your mouth and like drop it in, and I don't think it does anything really. I'm like, where's the real weed? And <laughs> uh, I don't want to badmouth anybody, but I have heard different things about Columbia Care here in Rochester. They're one of the the leading producers in New York State of medical marijuana. Yeah, so I'm going to support Kodak, them 100%. Cool. Yeah, and they're in Kodak Park and That's their the main facility is 100 yards behind my house where I live. Like, uh, I just I, don't know. I just, I mean, compared to just smoking out of a bowl. I think the medical marijuana out of that facility is different than other marijuana uh, is what a medical uh, grade, okay. if that makes sense. Maybe, saying yeah. it politely. No, saying, yeah. yeah, if I'm, I'm trying like, to say it as politely as I can. I tried it and I was like, oh, No, I've okay. heard a couple of stories similar. It doesn't seem to do much. But, no, no, so, and I don't understand I why it. I can drop it in because it seems like you could dose pets in anyone, really. And while in Buffalo, the one you get, you have to smoke. Yeah, that's interesting. So I, I, I'm just a little confused on that. And um, they say with a lot of addictions and people are in heroin, the problem is and the triggers are the whole act of it, like with the cotton and the whole needle. So why are you taking a tube, flipping it upside down, sticking in almost a needle type thing and pulling it out and then sticking your tongue? It's the whole process of it, which is bad for addiction. So I don't get any of it. And I actually question it. I think it's Columbia Care how they've chosen to make theirs and and do their own. That's that's why Columbia Care is different. Yeah, I don't know. You yeah, know I way so. more about it. I just know I'm as a person who got it, why I was confused. I didn't like the right now. There's ten. There's ten. <laughs> no, there's ten companies in in New York that can do medical medical marijuana in New York. Ten companies. Only four, I believe, or five are making products out of the ten. Okay. People who have licenses. So you you have teams at each of those five making them a little differently. Mm-hmm. And Columbia Care is a, kind of a bunch of scientists okay. that run Columbia Care. Possibly. Yeah, yeah. no, it, no, it, is. it is. <laughs> and then, and then two are the other ones out there. That's why you have different products on it from different okay, places. Okay, so I didn't that know there sense. were that many. I was like, yeah, there's oh, about five of ten, I believe. It right was now. like a whole process for it, and I'm like, this is exactly what you don't do <laughs> that you learn in rehab. <laughs> They're scientists. <laughs> I, it's it's a good company. Columbia Care is solid, but I, I just believe they the way they make products is different than the yeah. way maybe necessarily they should be made for the intent of the use. Yes, I agree. Uh, and, but New York State, you know, within 18, 20 months, we're going to be totally legalized here. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't believe they're going to approve smoking in any way. Yeah. That's my belief. I mentioned it before. Uh, I'm actually a proponent of that. Now, when you hear that, does that something that is something like, I don't think they're going to allow us to have uh, buds. I think they're going to let us vape. 
but yeah, that's but the, that's possibly though. I don't think it'll be with any flavoring though, because did you see what they just announced in the last week? So the va- the vape industry, the uh, nicotine vape industry in New York and possibly nationally, may have to not be able to. Um, flavor their juices okay i've heard stuff about that so it looks like that's what's going to go through because they don't they're trying to make it so kids aren't like oh there's a blueberry juice and there's naked addicted to it really bad yeah that's what they're alleging but the statistics out there that um that myself and some of my co-workers um who are in the industry the statistics don't match so we're wondering why this certain statistics are being driven out there but we do know the science of it we're not going to really know for many years so to be preventative um, I like it, but either way, um, vaping is better than smoking by far, hundred percent. Like oh, that's sure. that's true blue. Um, so, but I believe uh, vaping um, THC. If it's, if you're talking about ninety seven point seven percent cartridge of THC, and I don't need it to have flavor, I just want the THC. I'm good yeah. with that. If that's if they yeah, say I'm no flavor, for me. like I just want to enter that THC into me without smoking a bud. Mm-hmm. I don't because I know the bronchitis is going to build up and. Yeah, I um I stopped smoking a while ago and then I started back up and I had to for a court thing. So um I realized it took 45 days to get out. I smoked an ounce and a half a week, which is really high for a long time. And then um I was coughing up black stuff. 45 days out and cough for about 30 days just came out of my lungs. But I wasn't using a screen with my friends. So it was a whole, I think, vaping process. And it's 100 but, times cleaner and better for you. So for the last 24 years that you've been consuming, majority, how have you consumed? It, what, it's it was been not blunts, that or? level back then. It turned no, worse know, but, at the pizzeria when I was 17. But. <laughs> so was it mostly joints, um, blunts, uh, bongs? Bowls. bowls. So you were always bowls. Always, always bowls, okay. yeah. Never joints. I don't even know how to roll in. Um, other people, maybe there was a blunt and then um sometimes uh, my friend had a roar but it was such a hard hit and i just start coughing really bad off of it i wasn't used to it because i had asthma mm-hmm. so you combated your asthma a little bit so you think then some of the stuff you're coughing cough in your lungs was screens and that kind of stuff that just let some other Possibly, yeah, matter the into go down yeah lungs that makes sense um i mostly through my i'm 46 so 17 i started smoking for my 30 years i've mostly smoked through water Okay. Um, the only time I really smoked the bowls was hiking or on on skiing. Okay. Uh, prior to that, other than that, I'm pretty much bowls or bongs most of the time. Yeah. Um, and I think that's helped me in the long run. That's why when I got my lungs scanned and and my stress test, I'm clean. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to make sure I had that before this podcast started to say, you know, I'm not giving bad information out. Right. That's good. Now you you do you change your body a lot for your roles yes. for actresses. So, so there was only one time I learned my lesson. And I will never do that. Okay. Again, so, so explain. Yeah, because there's people who naturally do this cycle with their bodies, and, and you're a beautiful woman. You have a great figure, and mm-hmm. I know at one point you weren't comfortable with yourself for Total, a role you had. I will never do it again. Yeah. So, so tell tell us the, how you went through this. So I had to put on 30 pounds for a movie role to be a stand-in body double and cover it. So I did put it on by eating over four to five thousand calories a day of anything the hell I wanted. Like, I mean, Burger King every day, just eat, 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 eat. And I had to keep maintaining. It was really hard because I have a high metabolism. It was a nightmare. But I didn't realize that uh, that my clothes didn't start fitting. It started affecting me. I started feeling like just really low. And then I ended up getting this weird relationship where I just felt really insecure that I would have never entered if I didn't probably put on the weight and it was affecting me and then I didn't want to dance. I was really insecure around guys or anyone. It just wasn't me. So I feel like now I'm back to my normal weight, give or take. And I'm like really happy. So I'm like, Oh, no issues. I will never do that again. I don't care if you give me $2 million, the amount of pain I feel like I put myself through and feeling that low. It's kind of sad. Really, but it does affect you, Wei, and it affects how others perceive you. 
So it, it affect your personality. It did. Because I was insecure. So anything with intimacy, when people would touch me, I'd be jumping away. I didn't want people to see me naked. I want to be in the dark and stuff. When I'd been in Hustler magazines for years and I didn't care. But knowing that now, if they did offer you $2 million, you already have this test tube in your head. You've gone through I know I could do it. <laughs> You're like, all right, I've done it once. It's a little bit easier the second time. Yeah, if it was for a week, I would do it maybe, but I had to do it and hold it for almost four months. And um, it cost me a lot of money. Yeah, I don't think I would. I felt disgusting. I just, it really. <laughs> so one of the things I, I, I've said a couple of episodes now is I believe the root of people that troll and are angry and are, are you know, those Twitter people that are just attacking people. Yeah. If you look at the root of all those people, it's either bad diet, no exercise, they're not getting laid. Um, or they are just in a bad place in their life or with relationships. Oh, like I mean, just nasty I, yeah, like people. if the, people would solve those issues within themselves, they wouldn't reach out being these negative Nellies out against everybody else because they'd be comfortable in their own skin. But what's the root of all that? Discipline. Discipline. That's true. Maintaining everything, just getting, going to the gym every day, continue, controlling your diet, you know? So. Or how about not going to the gym and saying, I don't have time to go to the gym, but okay, so when you wake up, you build 15 minutes in your morning for a little stretching next to your bed. Like yeah. push-ups, sit-ups. Guys, being exercised and fit really could mean 15 minutes before bed and 15 minutes when you wake up. That's true. Really, that could be as easy as all you need and just to get your heart rate substituting stuff. Instead of getting like a side of macaroni and cheese, get a side salad. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> No, how about this? If you eat a, and I learned this listening to Joe Rogan podcast, uh, he had a health expert on, and they mentioned that if you eat a hamburger with French fries, your blood pressure goes up. But if you eat a hamburger with salad, you're, it, that hamburger is fine for your body. Yeah. It doesn't cause any. So I it's really it. the whole. So people in their lives, I look at people now and they're rushing around. They got two, three kids. All the kids are all these sports. Da, da, da. They don't have time. They have time. Listen. I was an Iron Man. I had two kids. I was a single father. My daughter and I made meals on Sundays. Like I made chicken. Like there's ways to combat your your the excuses that you have, but ultimately you have to be disciplined. And they also say that you know salads are so much more expensive at McDonald's and stuff like that, which actually is true versus the burgers. But yeah, but well, why are you putting yourself in a situation to have yeah, to get a salad at McDonald's in the first place, right? Like, <laughs> but did you look at those salads? They're they still good. not. I was gonna get one on my way home. There's no. <laughs> hey, if you got to get it, that's right. And who cares? Because you don't think about the extra buck, right? Because you just know you got to get that nutrients I'm in you. I'm like, whatever. Get that nutrients fast, in. Thank you. And I'm. And to me, paying extra buck at a salad at McDonald's is worth it. Just pay a buck less and have a crappy burger that's no good for me. Exactly. So who cares where you get the salad from as long as you're eating the damn salad, yeah. right? Christian, that's it. So. Uh, <sighs> Bob, opiate. I know, opioids. I don't want to get off the opioids because I I just absolutely, so, this is a big topic. I have this thing that's coming out. It actually is. So we have the first doctor in Rochester. It's Dr. Cool, K-O-U-L, and it's called The Bridge. And it goes, there's three cuts that go behind your ear, and it looks like a hearing aid piece that goes up. And it goes on the 18th hour of opioid withdrawal. And it sends and tricks your brain to think you're not going through withdrawal and it sends waves there and it pulses and you keep it on for five days and it stops dope sickness within 20 minutes and it's a hundred percent effective if you don't touch it or take it off leave it there don't pull it off because you want to use drugs like don't monkey with the wires those are the only times to test that it failed so did, it's called who, who invented this? What what is this? Uh, it's I'm I'm not the inventor, yeah, yeah. but it's Ryan and it's my friend Matt, and they're out there and they got it there, and it's taken a while. We got FDA approval last November, and we got Medicaid approval for, for the procedure in March, and I met Michael Lohan 
uh, Lindsay Lohan's father, and he's the one who helped shut down all the shady addiction centers. And he's really like just a huge, strong figure. He's like a hero in the addictions realm. And he helped me a lot through my divorce when I was drinking a lot because it was very abusive and trying to get out was a nightmare. And I went down there last week with him in Florida, and he introduced me to some politicians who were pushing it through to get the Medicaid approval quicker than they thought it would get. So we have the first doctor set up. I'm going around. I'm the one distributing and showing everyone how to use it across the whole United States and world. That's daunting. So, yeah, I get to meet Eric Clapton and stuff at Crossroads soon. I'm really excited. Oh, and yes. I'm going to be on a TV series on A&E on addictions. And I was going to tell Michael Lohan about how that they inject with the cocaine, with the Kool-Aid. So... I'm going to be on there. Mark Wahlberg, a bunch of people are at the bridge on the Suboxone people, Vivitrol, the owners. And we're doing that. So I got to meet major politicians. We've been pushing it through. So it should be done, we believe, in January. What kind of feedback are you getting towards that? Amazing feedback. Um, The thing is, though, a lot of... um, Counselor or people who are true addicts can't afford the $1,000. That's how much it costs right now because it's not covered. But that's really nothing. That's with a doctor for five days. So if you're actually a functioning addict and you have a job and you don't want to go to rehab or you have health insurance or it costs every day and you have kids and you want to stay home or even a dancer, that's hardly anything at $1,000. If you're a parent and your kid can't stop and it stops their pain, you know, and their sickness, so they don't relapse because that's the hard part. A lot of people relapse because the dope sickness is so bad. And uh, it's amazing. So we actually put it on two people this week. This is the first doctor we had, and it's in Monroe County. His office is in Parma, Victor, and Henrietta. And he's opening another facility that's going to have goat yoga and all different stuff. So it's me thing. Now, he's a pain management doctor, and he's doing it cheaper than the doctor in Boston, which is 1500 right now. He's only doing it for 1000 because he genuinely cares and wants to make a difference. So he's only gonna help you with this if you go right on Suboxone or Vivitrol because he doesn't want you relapsing so you have to stick with him and you have to stick into long-term programs and that's what's going to be and eventually there'll be a Suboxone implant that goes under your arm for six months and it'll wean you off the Suboxone so do the bridge to Suboxone and then you'll be off and you'll stick with long-term recovery completely clean so so can you tell us a little bit about those two drugs you just listed Suboxone and Vivitrol they're anti-craving drugs Okay. Um, I don't know much about them. I heard do, do you know much about the background or where where they're derived from? I know I can't. Um, I don't know it all offhand. I had it in the book, so. But um, my <laughs> researcher is sitting here with his like, with oh, his God, computer off. not on. <laughs> I don't understand why he's on, part of you know, this. <laughs> 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 okay, you know, hey. The basketball got thrown at Bob High. Yeah, he yeah, apparently right. does not know I his role off. because he's sitting here staring at Katrina, going, "Hmm, I'll am I asking her for a date? Am I asking her for a date? Or am I not stare at her?" So is who's the, the who, wait, who's the celebrity you most resemble? Me, I hear Jamie Priestley, um, Sandra Bullock when she had her hair blonde and she's in the Pretender Blindside something mm-hmm. I don't know with that football movie I heard oh, a yeah. lot when it came out when she's blonde. Not oh yeah, stop. that's true. Yeah, something on the angle and I guess I do. Sopranos. Who's the girl in Sopranos that was uh, what's his face? His girlfriend that oh, helped him run the bar. What was her name? A- no, Adrian. No, it wasn't Adrian. I never watched that too much. So, anyways, uh, you are. Yeah, so. What are you, 5'2? Five, 5'8. Five, eight. Oh, 5'8. Five, eight. Five, yeah, eight. Oh, sh- 
Uh, beautiful. <laughs> beautiful. All right. So, yeah, please, more about the bridge, so though. The bridge how, how, yeah, is how, amazing. So how did they come across making it? Like, the your two friends that invented it. Yeah. And uh, so there was, like, a cap, and they saw that acupuncture and stuff would kind of help. And there's going to be doing more. They did a study in Ohio, in Kent, and what they did is they put it on patients who were in comas, and instead of giving them fentanyl, which takes two weeks for them to come off of it, and they're addicted and cut the hospital stays on, they put the bridge on them. It was very successful and they won awards for it so the thing was that they would put on the thing device and so they'd be weaned off within five days so they started changing the whole way so the bridge was hard to get picked up in hospitals because it cost them money before Mm -hmm. because instead of like the stays and you know pharmacy wants their money it became a money maker when it used it with the traumatic brain injury study Wow. How and long ago? You said last stuff. November? We don't know what it's going to do. It yeah. got approved. So yeah. we don't know. But there's a bill and it's 7141 and it's, um was introduced to Senate by uh, John Brooks. And we're trying to push it through and Medicaid will be forced to approve all opioid withdrawal devices that go on your ears and it will cover it. And everyone in jail, everywhere will have it because almost all those type of um, clients are on Medicaid. That's phenomenal. And then once Medicaid picks up, then obviously all the other insurance as well. So is um, the bridge is not the only device out there that does this? Is there uh, others? That's is that the real why? one right now. The okay. other ones are kind of shady in other countries and not really approved. Okay, so this is the only one that's FDA right now, approved. Yes, the okay. only one FDA approved. I, I just got nervous when you said approve all met, all devices. That's what I said, but we don't. I think it's just so in case something else comes of or someone makes a generic brand. Mm-hmm. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, so this got to be exciting. I mean, I know you and I talked about this originally when I, we first met. And it was newer, ago, so you probably didn't ago. quite understand. No, that's it, right. But now yeah. I've really pushed it far. I've been going to Florida and all over to different rehab centers and showing doctors and getting them signed up and pushing it. And I met uh, Art Ernie um, from the Steelers, the politician, and he's helping us and well, all that. different cool people. So how did you get into this whole network and of the recovery centers? Uh, and how, yeah, how, how did you get to jump into this? Is this because, I mean, I kinda, rehab? I pushed myself into it. I wanted it. Um, I lost so many friends and I'm like, I'm sick and tired of watching this happen. And I'm going to stand up. And I was talking about the opioid uh, issues before it became an epidemic. I was talking about 18 years ago when I watched them change the components of Oxycontin. And I've, all my friends started using heroin. They, I shouldn't say friends. The girls that I were I was working on, or working with, uh, based on a study dealing with the University of Buffalo, were street age prostitutes. They were street level prostitutes, and um, in Pennsylvania, they have massage parlors are legal, and the strip clubs are free for all. Anything goes. It's full on sex, ten dollars. Bring your own beer. A lot of these girls have been hooked on heroin for years. They're having sex with ten to fifteen guys every single night for hardly any money, and they have nothing the next day. And they're defeated, and they work every day, and then eventually they die because they just can't do it anymore. And there's no hope. Once you're in there, there's nothing out. And then once you get so bad and your track marks, they won't let you work at the club. So then you start working on 12th Street in Erie, Pennsylvania. And that's the cases I studied. And I was running into 12-year-old girls who are runaways, and they were already on it. And that's when I started. And I started working with the street safety task force teams and trying to make this aware of what was going on. 
and the reason why I want to uh, ask how you're getting into this world like this is because I, if there's other people out there who they have it in their families and they really want to get engaged and help out, because that's what we need. We need a lot of people in society to step up now and to get engaged and to help these people. And we need to stop enabling people. And it doesn't matter what aspect of life people are, are negative at. Don't judge them, but just don't enable them. Don't enable them. No. That's what my whole show even started with. Like, I don't enable them. You're not helping them. You're hurting them. And uh, like I just did it on my own and I started aggressively trying to work with police departments letting them know like, hey, this is what's going on and trying to help them study and research it. And then I started getting involved in a whole bunch of charity grassroots groups that I didn't know existed. Slowly, they found me. They're like, hey, can you help us? And I know I'm involved in almost every group you could possibly fathom. It <laughs> has to do with recovery or, yeah, or women. anything, uh, domestic yeah. abuse, yeah. any charity stuff. So I started doing parties at strip clubs. And we'd have like a pirate party because it's international talk like a pirate day in September. So there's a pirate toy fund in Rochester. So it'd be free cover if you brought in a toy, everyone dressed like a pirate, and then we donate it. I'm not just a pretty face. And we collect cosmetics and hygiene products. And we give it to all different charities that help with like um, Haven House, Family Justice Center, Willow in Rochester that help with women getting their jobs back, covering bruises, self-esteem. Then we started, I started working heavily with Karina. And Stephanie Forster from um, Be The Change. And they're huge in Rochester. And they do needle collections on Sundays. And you can volunteer and help with them if you want. And they have a group, Be The Change, on Facebook. And they have a radio show. I believe it's at 4 o'clock. And it's also in Rochester Free Radio. And they have all different addicts. It's a sober radio show talking on it, too. And they're very involved. There is another group that started yesterday called No Moss. And they took over Clinton. And they all lined up with the signs and we're helping and making a statement. We did uh, on Clinton front- Avenue, you mean? Yeah. Okay. Yesterday. So Clinton Avenue is in uh, zone 14621 in Rochester. When I described my grandfather's flower shop to everybody last week, it was about two blocks from where she's talking about. Oh, okay. uh, so yeah, there's, there's connection. Um, I've, Clinton Avenue is close to my heart. I thought my grandfather's flower shop started on Clinton Avenue um, when it was my grandmother's. And I missed this is a chance for me to correct myself from last week so my family doesn't kill me. I said that my grandfather's flower shop started in the late 60s. It was actually 1958 my grandfather started his okay. flower shop. Uh, because in 72 when I was born, like in 76, I was working at flower shop every holiday. That's, yeah, yeah. So that's the, the relationship. What she's talking about is the same streets that I've grown up on. And, and I worked at the pawn shop on Clinton Avenue D. And it used to be a, a strip club and a person died and in there and this kind of buried it over. Wow. Oh, that was a long but time you didn't ago. Know that right? a long 50s time or ago. 60s probably, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. 60s. <laughs> when uh, it was shady. <laughs> yeah, well, in the 60s there, that's where riots happened in Rochester too and there were riots was along Clifford Avenue there. Yeah. Uh, that was kind of the split dividing line. Yep. Uh, I love this. <laughs> You're from <laughs> yeah. Buffalo area though, right? I am, but she has Rochester history. Fourth. No, so. <laughs> uh, she's For like years. a Rochester of Buffalo and we got to come up I'm with a word of a Rochester <laughs> Buffalo of like person that's I like I want to connect them all yeah. with the groups because I think they're more effective Rock-a-lo. in um, Monroe County. So then we have an Evergreen. There's Evergreen Memorial Garden. It was the highest drug usage area where all these people overdosed. And Rocco, who is my friend, and um, he lost two kids. The first son, he uh, lost him to heroin. And the second one was coke with fentanyl. And he just lost him about two, three weeks ago. Two kids out of his family. Um, it's the most tragic story I ever heard. So he's the one in charge of it, and he's um trying to be a kratom crusader right now. And uh, it's so tragic. And his son yesterday was uh they told him that it was listed as a homicide, 
And um, he's so hurt and damaged and numb right now. And we're all just trying to help him. So we're raising money for the Evergreen Memorial Garden. It'll be on my Facebook later. It's uh, Katrina Lee. And you can check it out and the page. And we're collecting donations. And I actually got him uh, an animal waste receptacle container this week so pets can visit. And they got involved with SOARS and all the groups. And they're putting different patches and just trying to make it something beautiful. And I guess it only costs $5,000 to purchase land which he wants to do i absolutely do not want to be Involved responsible in. for that yeah. i don't mind helping but i, I have a feeling that if, he, a, if he's loud enough he'll idea. find people to help support that five thousand dollars yeah, it's, yeah and he's not, so i yeah. like so we're helping him raise yeah. it and getting it out there and um yeah like i said i don't personally want to own that because god knows what so if anybody's <laughs> in the buffalo area so you're talking about buffalo area right evergreen memorial no, this rochester oh rochester evergreen memorial it's rochester, here in rochester. It's, Rocco. Holy it's Rocco. yeah Wow. So, Dang what's the address? Where is it? Where is it? Do you know? Do you know where the Yeah, yeah. Double check the. Uh, I don't I know where just, it is. I don't, I, it it I don't know. I went there and it was um a little scary. The one day I went during the day and I paused because I couldn't find it, right. and um I had my door when I it unlocked and a guy jumped in trying to sell me heroin and I screamed. Oh god. Yeah, it was really scary. But um yeah, it's on uh, Facebook. It's Evergreen Memorial Garden, and it is. That's the name of Facebook account there. Yeah. And uh, list all your social media sites real quick. Oh, I got tons, but I'm Katrina, K-A-T-R-I-N-A-L-E-E on Facebook. I have um, Katrina, L-E-L-E-E, and that's my rehab page. So there's two, and I have most of mine are public, so you can see it, and there's folders, especially on the rehab page, about the bridge, so you can see the um, protocols for, like, probation everything. But it's 107 Evergreen Street in Rochester. And it's Rocco. We set it up and they launched it and then SOARS and all the groups were involved and uh, including Recovery Now New York. And it's just a great cause trying to help him heal. Now, he did it for his first son and then this one just happened and there's a delay and he's hurting so bad. So we're all trying to help him right now and step up. So Everybody jump out on that Facebook. Everybody follow Katrina. Yeah, it's just it's You're tragic. I can't imagine. So he had this video that he filmed with his first kid and it was a sign that said, I lost my child to heroin. A picture of him with his kid and then he had, I lost my children to it and it reached so many people. It's just so tragic. I mean, it's just so sad. It's really. helpless. He, he was helpless. I'm, sh- I'm sure he was a loving father, wanted to be there, was there every second, but Unbelievable. And they fixed that. So she showed a picture. And then you have sores and Becky's heavily involved in some other people and she lost her child. So it's more a family support group for people who lost their kids, but they're heavily involved and they do a lot of work too. So I'm going to be um, featured in the November issue of Rochester Woman Magazine online. Which is this week. It was launched, I believe. Yep. Yes. So so tell us how, how that went. You were interviewed by someone? and Yes. And uh, it was great, and they were just fascinated by me. So I actually made a butterfly garden in my home with drops and butterflies, and I put the names of my friends who overdosed and died onto the butterflies in their cards as a way of healing. So they feature the house in that. And then when I talk to them, so I'm going to be ongoing at all of their uh, magazine events and talking about all different and uh, interviewing all the different charity groups. And talking about all different stuff they're involved in. Because I'm literally in every one of them. (laughs) 
or donate to it. Yeah. And so I had to start saying no because I was like, it was getting out of control. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to step back because this is getting really stressful. And I'm going to like just raise awareness and donate money and let other people because I was like, it's too much. (laughs) So people listening to you and I, they hear our energy, they hear uh, our passion about things and the fact that we want to make life better around us, the people and just general society. Katrina is very much the same way as me that way. So how do you decide what projects to take on? Do you like put a list of this is what I got going on? Because a lot of people ask me, how do you do everything? How do you do everything you do, Brian? My dad, my dad is amazed, like comes to town. He's like, just watching, I can't. Like, how do you do it? How do you say yes and no? How do you make the determination? I do. I uh, kind of pick and choose um, in the level. Like, so Be The Change had this event where they're sleeping outside in boxes, like they're homeless. And I decided that was a bad idea because I'd probably get sick and you know, it was just not my style, but I didn't mind donating things to help the cause. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and I just, I don't know. It's like when I have time, I don't like doing the needle collection. I uh, accidentally stepped on a needle and then it panicked me. So I'm like, let's not do that ever again. So that was terrifying. Yeah. And, that, and that's just because maybe. It's uh, not my thing. I'm not no, used it's to right. it. No, it's right. Not used to it. It, it, it. That really takes a certain person to be in, in that mode too. Like me, I'm a little, I'm a little energetic. I'm not someone that's going to tiptoe everywhere to look that's for every little thing. That's, you gotta, yeah, it's really, a tiptoe. It's not, a slow like process. You. And um, yeah. you got to like, I'm not afraid of needles, but I'm not a needle user. So I don't even look when they do the shots. I look the other way. So I don't want to really grab them and put my hands in places that are dark that I don't know what's there or walk in scary houses that you don't know if someone's in there. But what you do is. Yes, I raise awareness and I can redirect it to it. So I told them all um, I had kind of a freak out because my birthday was really stressful and my friends just totally butchered it. I didn't want to go out, had a breakup. And then my friends were like, oh, let's like make you go out and knock me down the stairs. Ended up totally bruised. And I'm like, all right, just everyone get away from me. It's like a wake up call. And I started redirecting everything. And um, I designed a program instead that I'm going to do. Um, we're going to teach kids about drugs and we're doing videos and my dad found some from the government publishing house, but we're going to refilm them and direct them. And I know the director um, from the purge is going to help me with it and some of the students and we're going to um, do that. And then we're going to paint rocks with hashtag I hate heroin. And then we're going to collect them and we're going to put them in the evergreen memorial garden. We're going to put them at the gates of recoveries because people are going to take them as mementos. So you know you need a lot of them. So we're going to go all the schools all over Rochester. We'll have like a little envelope. We'll let the parents know in advance what's happening. They can send a donation. They can paint one rock, take it home, and we'll take one to the garden and go over it. Because the thing is, is that you have to teach your kids what's going on because so many people are overdosing from heroin or younger with kids in these Kids are in the schools being raised by grandparents, foster care, and you don't, and they don't know, and they're they're hitting different audiences. So it could be that kid that you'd never think would be around that's in Pittsburgh. You don't know what they went through, and you don't know where your kids are getting their drugs. They're even putting fentanyl and weed now. I mean, you don't know, and like they're not going to ask you for drugs in your kid. So you have to start young. So the philosophy that my ex and I took was we wanted to really experiment with our kids as they were growing up, alcohol. So my kids pretty much were first-time drunks with, with us most of the time. Um, both my son and daughter have smoked pot. Uh, my daughter doesn't now, obviously. She's a teacher and in the military realm, so she doesn't. Um, she never did very often. Yeah. Uh, but my son, uh, you know, 
partakes. I'm not sure his exact usage rate, but I yeah. support it because I know it was done. How it all started, he understands the pros and cons and understands that you need to be a man and do everything you need exactly. to do, no matter what you're indulging in. Um, but I support him with THC and my son, as long as he continues to have his 3.0 or above average at yeah, UB, and he's going to all his classes, <laughs> and he just put it, got, he's going to be getting a supervisor job at the food court there, student supervisor. I there's used only to work a few. There. There's only, he, so he's at the Southwest Mo's now, and he just got a supervisor job that he's probably starting when Good he goes back him. in January. So yeah. <clears throat> now this is a guy, kid who's cannabis, an athlete, um, a good student, smart kid, my son. I believe if I didn't teach him before he went to UB, he'd be a different person right now if he didn't have the alcohol and mm -hmm. cannabis experience younger before he got there. In I the court program, because my ex had me sober for six months because the whole thing. And uh, there is so many kids at Brylin Behavioral Health and they were um, for chemical dependency from school. And they got hooked on like Xanax and messed up and got DWIs and they were in frat parties and they joined frat houses and there's so many and they're younger. And it was like, you just felt bad because you saw their whole future and just there they are. They're trying to go to school and then they're in rehab. They're in their whole lives. And it's like, man, you're so young. And, and yeah, I didn't mess the, up till I was over 30. <laughs> are you finding that it's hitting a, a certain demographic? Um, that Ooh. Xanax is and stuff. Yeah, they were on different things uh, that they were. But you, you talk about like the middle class white boys. Yeah, they were all just middle class white boys. Yeah, them. right. They weren't on heroin or anything in there. But um, <clears throat> uh, what I saw when I was in college, they were all the, on pills. Yeah, the, the middle class white boys in my day, the ones that had experiment before they came, were all pretty reserved. Anybody that was under their parents' thumb was a wild man their first couple of semesters. My parents are really lucky because I was kind of under their thumb. I mean, a little bit of the smoking, nothing too crazy, some drinking, but I could have went wild. I was in a bubble, a super religious bubble that was so safe and protected. And uh, I really am not as bad as I could have been. I'm like the only dancer I know who wasn't really on drugs except weed. Yeah. That's rare. I literally, really am like the 1%. I love it. And I didn't drink at all really until I was 30. And then I had like a little breakdown, like, yay, I'm 21 all over again. I went stupid for like two years, but you know, we toned that. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess we all have to go through some phase of that, right? Yeah. To figure out how alcohol affects us and how you want to use like, it. like, I'm free. <sighs> I love and it. Let's get married again and be trapped. <laughs> <laughs> so how long, uh, the rate, I want to talk about the radio show a little bit more because I love that you have a radio show that reaches out to the military. Yeah. And I would love to have a, the podcast reach out to the military, but I know that the first four <laughs> letters of my podcast prevent that from ever yes. happening yes. until the military says... <laughs> Wait a minute. They smoked a lot we're in Vietnam. Uh, maybe right. maybe we could still use it to some degree. Well, you never know. Maybe the PTSD veterans, because they're saying that they're going to use medical marijuana to treat it. It actually might merge you in. I'm hoping. Uh, that's what Gino and I talked know. in our third episode. We talked about uh, how you can keep your medical benefits. You can smoke weed, CBD, anything. You'll never lose your benefits yeah. ever because of that. You might lose your, um, your oxycodone or whatever well, yeah. because the agreement you sign with well, yeah, with the different. with those you know with the pill companies that no you can't use weed when you're on our pills mm -hmm. talk about how crazy that is but what is the uh, thing that you have seen in the last 10 years the biggest improvement to help offset this epidemic you got to target it in all ways shapes and forms like i think drug court programs are a failure um i do i don't know if you're aware of this they just opened opioid court and started it in monroe county and in erie county carabascalia is the one in charge in uh, amherst court for it and um, that's Erie County. And it's a whole different thing. So I contacted them to explain to them about what the bridge is because they're going to need it. Mm 
-hmm. So we have the bridge uh, protocol for um, probationers and parolees and how they're going to put it on is actually on my folder. If you look it up on Facebook, it's like a whole bunch of stuff. It's fascinating. And uh, just in and out like they don't seem to understand women so they're throwing you in jail but the jails don't have programs they're not really teaching you skills and you can't get clean in 30 days it doesn't you really need a long-term program and if you're an exotic dancer you never had a real job and you started prostituting and just relying on men right off the bat like and that's how you got your drugs and you're trying to get away from it it's more intense and you have to work um, on all different levels. You have to kind of teach them how to have normal, healthy relationships and to value their bodies again. So even that they could have normal sex instead of just kind of just laying on their back and going through emotions. And I want Because to, having all that drugs in your tube, it doesn't numb them a little bit. So they're not even, it, right? It's just so it. numbing. You just don't care. You don't even remember. And it's just so sad. And these women are so broken and they give up. And the thing is that a lot of them have so many kids and I don't know why like they still are able to have custody of them. It's actually disturbing, but usually there's like a loser boyfriend in the background who knows what they're doing and they're taking their money and they're okay with it also. So they just kind of hold you down because they're an addict too. So behind almost every addict is another addict who's assisting it. So if you have a son, he might, and he's an addict and he's using heavy, he might actually be with another girl who's prostituting or your son. And it's not that uncommon. It could be actually having, um, he'd be straight and be having gay intercourse just for the money and be able to go through it. So you're also dealing with different issues of AIDS and STDs, hepatitis. And then you get a lot of these married men, which actually disturbs me. They're on Backpage, and uh, they took it down, but they put back all the forums. They took down that EEIE. It's like an escort thing. But anyway, we can go on there and meet. They don't get STD tested. These married men have wives. They're women. They don't know what's going on, and they're having sex with these women who are needle users and have hepatitis and diseases and everything. That's and just, just so infecting. selfish. Yeah. And it's so selfish and wrong. And even those STD control boards, like just the info is insane in Rochester. So I'm one, so glad I don't know much about this in my daily life. I mean, I'm, I'm glad you're bringing this to light. No, I'm glad you're bringing this to light for a lot of people, though, because a lot of people want to. They, don't they pretend what's it. going on or they want to think they know. know what's going on. <laughs> so real quick, we talked about the bridge. Yes. And then you mentioned two drugs that you would go on to anti. Yeah, Vivitrol or Suboxone. What, what did you learn about either one of those two, Bob? Like, just so people know, like. Any information? Words, phrases, clauses. Oh, see. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, a lot of people, there's some negatives that people abuse Suboxone and some uh, inject it, but it's like, that's why we want to do the implant so it can't be abused. Mm -hmm. It's kind of up and down. It's almost like you need it, and it's the only way kind of to detox off of the heroin. Now, are those stuff. opioids, I guess that's the root of what I was asking. Are they just a lighter form of opioid, or are they different? That's what I was looking for you to find out, Bob. So It says, well, go it ahead. says here Suboxone is a film. A film that goes into the tongue. Okay, yeah, that's how it's that's how it's put into you. But I'm wondering, what is it specifically? Like, no, it, I don't know. Suboxone's a bunch of stuff. There's uh, probably different ways. It's not all a film. I know that you can um, inject it, and there's a pill. There's going to be different forms to bring it into your body. If it was a shot that you tend to take once a month, I did it for alcohol myself. I was forced by court, but hey. yeah. <laughs> so whatever, yeah. Yeah. Um, interesting. So. Those what is there a definition of those two? I just whenever we bring up drugs on this show and we're talking about opioids and getting off them, I just want to make sure that you know this is something that's normal within the recovery process. It's basically, a commercial <laughs> just for that particular product of. Something. We're still working on Bob's research skills hey man, in he, a pinch, baby. Oh, 
Andy almost lost. He almost <laughs> fell out of the chair. He almost fell out of the chair. We're good. Katrina caught him. All right. Let's talk about the dark side of Suboxone. No, we don't want that. Do we? No, want we do. That? Yeah, I just I want to know everything about these drugs for people. So people, uh, folks, the, these two drugs that, that Katrina just mentioned that Bob's looking up are two things that in recovery is probably given very often by doctors. So there's always plus and minuses to this. But I'm always interested in, uh, there's another thing we're going to bring up, and I'm kind of building up to our fact fiction injury still out here. Um, so that's why I just want Bob to talk about this a little bit before we talk about the next subject. It says, like heroin and other opioids, Suboxone has its own risks, side effects, and withdrawal symptoms. So, you know, it, it's like those commercials. Suboxone can cause bloody diarrhea. You know, I'm not saying that it does. but Can you see what they actually give us some factual stuff? Side effects may include yeah. nausea. Stuffy or runny nose, fever or chills, back pains, insomnia, constipation, and painful urination. Ouch. Major side effects of... But ultimately, the two drugs are given to because they are anti-addicting? Yes. Addictive properties. So we're getting just about to get into the, the fact fiction. The jury's still out. And I really am interested in a drug that's been talked about uh, a lot. I'm hoping that Katrina has some something to say about it. Maybe, Jay, we're going to ask you in a second. But th this week's fact fiction, and the jury's still out, is is Kratom the best thing for opioid withdrawal? I've heard a lot lately that Kratom is this miracle drug, and it does something where it shuts something down in your brain, and you go through this 24-hour, 48-hour cycle. When you come out of it, you are like, oh, my God, I can't believe I was ever addicted to opioids. And, and it's just this great transformation. I don't know if that's the case or not. This is just what I'm hearing. So, Justin Passamonte, do you have you heard much about kratom? Have you had a lot of people in your family uh, with issues or, or friends with issues with opioids? No, not really. I've uh, I've heard a little bit about kratom, but I'm pretty uh, pretty blank. All right, Bob. What about you? Well, the research that I did, kratom is actually a natural product. It's derivative from a plant. Mm -hmm. mm, that's correct. And I found that interesting because if that's what that is then it kind of goes hand in hand with marijuana yeah very similar in that way yep so you're thinking that kratom could could be a good from what the little research you did could be good i i i can't really say that everything natural is good but that's a great start so yeah. of the research that you did or what you knew before about kratom what did you know about I kratom knew before nothing about kratom so you've never you haven't had a lot of opioid dependency around you and or, or dealt with that in your Not environment where you work? Like, you know, you hear about the opioid problem in Rochester like weekly on the news. Yeah, it's really bad in Rochester. <laughs> I, I, every once in a while, I absorb it here and there, and I hear about these new homes that are be, being opened. Um, one in particular, I believe, was for uh, women. I'm not really sure where that location was. I found that kind of curious that uh, they only had a home for women, but I guess that was just a starting block. And... Uh, so Kratom, I, I looked up real quick and on WebMD, which is one of the places I like to go to, um, turning, uh, turning to Kratom for opioid withdrawal. And I'm going to you last because I know you know the most about this, Katrina. Right. So be patient. <laughs> I know. Nobody wants to hear Katrina be like, forget Brian, forget Brian. You know, Katrina's going to speak. So I'm just going to reference a story on WebMD. And the title is Turning to Kratom for Opioid Withdrawal. Uh, October 26, 2017, about a year ago, a gentleman named Eric Matthew wanted to break his more than decade-long addicted to opioids, one that started when his doctor prescribed them for knee pain, which is probably similar to the story I told about the, the gentleman who started having it. Uh, but he didn't want to do an in-house treatment and tried to detox on his own. Nothing worked until two years ago when he tried Kratom. So this is a quote from this individual. What Kratom does is kills your brain's desire when you're addicted to opiates and you want opioids. Opiates, excuse me, says Mayhew, 37 years old. 
old at the time. It dulls your pain and you start to get your wits back again. Now he takes the recommended dose of two to four capsules a day. day. He says he has no side effects, but admits he still needs his willpower. You have to want things to work. Nothing works unless you understand that, says Mayhew. That's a general WebMD. So one study from 2015 found that only 21.5% of people with opioid abuse disorders are getting treatment. At the same time, about 91 Americans die every day from reasons related to opioid dependence. And this is from 2017. It's higher. Probably. So it's way higher now a year later. Uh, but just a couple stats I thought were interesting. So so do, have you seen friends of yours use Kratom? Do you know yes. much about Kratom? Tell me what you know about it. I don't know it. a ton, a ton about it. I know it's, I believe it's a scheduled section five drug and they're going to be pulling off the market. It's going to be banned. And I was told by my father to scoop it up because it's going to be worth a lot of money. <laughs> the federal government wants to take all the good away from us, Bob. Yes. yes no, but right now, Bob that. is looking at me like, are <laughs> you, you kidding me? In your research notes? Bob is looking at, at us like, like <laughs> we're crazy, but this is the federal government and the, the pharmaceutical companies. This is how strong they are, Bob. And this is why this podcast is here. This is ridiculous. I'm not as sure if I'm a fan. Um, I, uh, I've seen people go wild on it in jail, like bite people in the face and they withdraw weird. It's almost like a basil. They don't exactly know what's in it. Um, they're like zombies outside of the Kratom stores picking it up, like on lines and lines. And they're just not even that functioning. The people that I know that were on it are not doing that successful. And I don't know if the one person who owned the stores is, I know he's lying, saying he's completely only on Kratom. He's not. He's on other vices, but he's the one recommending it to everyone. And it just seems like a odd, shaky topic almost every rehab center will tell you no, no, no. Stay away from it. They heard horror stories where people can say that they don't remember something that happened and it was really bad. And no one can prove 100% the good, but there's a lot of negatives and that's why they're being really careful about it. I like that then. It has to be regulated. I think that from what I've heard, successful stories of people using Kratom is a very short like window where they kind of went through a cycle, came out, and that was always the best. I, I hadn't heard a lot of successful stories where people yeah. were taking it regularly. I've not heard that. I heard it's like a two-day thing and you come out and you're like, holy smokes, why did I do that? It, was, it like triggered you somehow. So I'm going to read Kratom as a plant. Mitri, Mitriana speciosa is a tropical evergreen tree in the coffee family native to Southeast Asia. It's indigenous to Thailand, Indonesia, Malaysia, Myanmar, and New Guinea, where it has been used in traditional medicine since at least the 19th century. So that's that's the general definition. I'm going to go to Wikipedia after this just to see yeah. what other information they have. But And I know there's different kinds of kratom, different colored kratoms. I, I don't know a lot about this, yeah, the I colors. Know. I don't know anything about it. I just know that anything you have to continue to take... I would have long researched time it had I known. I would have. Oh, this is. We're, <laughs> we're all good. We're we're gonna go through this together. So right. so, do you have any personal stories of people positive or negative with kratom, like that you can think of off the top of your head? Because I just. Yeah. I don't. I don't know if kratom is good or not. I I don't. I don't know. I don't have any specific. Um, experiences well, I know the owner of the Kratom store is Robbie Brockler, and he has two locations, and it's in on Monroe Ave. And he opened it and he said it saved his life when he was in jail and it stopped him from the cravings. But I know he also uses other vices, so I don't know how strong that is to say. And that's tough because when people how generally tell, have multiple you're things. Mixing. Yeah. Unless, of course, it's just Kratom and, and a cannabis, I believe, you know, that's not so much. And when you got alcohol, tobacco and other things coming in or other yeah, drugs. Yeah, that's what is factors. And then I don't know. I mean, you can't always see just because it's natural is good. Like, is peyote good for you? Should people be doing that daily? It's natural. No. I mean, it's, it's great. I like, yeah, that's a great way to say example, that. Example, yeah. I mean. <laughs> Opioid withdrawal. So I, on the Wikipedia page, this is kind of interesting. 
Interesting. In 1836, Kratom was reported to have been used as an opium, opium substitute in Malaysia. Kratom was also used as an opium substitute in Thailand in the 19th century. As of 2016, Kratom is not approved for this or any other medicinal, medicinal use. Data on how often it is used worldwide are lacking and is not detected by typical drug screening tests. Rates of Kratom use appear to be increasing among those who have been self-managed chronic pain with opioid purchased without a prescription and are cycling, but not quitting their use. As of 2018, there have been no formal trials to study the efficacy and safety of Kratom to treat opioid addiction. Is that amazing that we've had this addiction now coming around in the last 10 or 12, 15 years, and our federal government hasn't put studies out there to find out if Kratom really could work or not? Yeah, they're trying I to mean, test it and find out. My dad was really against it, and he's drug alcohol rehabilitation counseling involved with everyone for years, and he's part of the reason I got involved in this. Almost as a way to challenge him, like, look what I'm doing, Dad, pay attention. <laughs> yeah, like, and you're on the, I mean, how can they not be happy with all the things that, that you've been Yeah, oh, no, they, in? yeah. My dad at first, like, and then I got too involved now, and so I got threatened if I ever get a DWI or something that he will kill me. <laughs> so you know what happens if I mess up. <laughs> Yeah, that's the bridge thing. Read so. those. Read. So she just showed us a picture of the bridge. Read some of those stats ab above that. I like it's that. It's a sixty-two percent reduction in cows after twenty minutes, eighty percent in COWS after thirty, and is eighty-four within an hour. And that's with people who are like kind of failing and touching it, and literally stops all symptoms of dope sickness, which would include anxiety, diarrhea, tremors, sweats, chills, fatigue, muscle twitching, nausea, vomiting, yawning, joint pain, rapid heart rate, and insomnia. Okay, it's I actually came into this episode simulator. to talk kratom up, and now I'm in this episode talking about this bridge it's and the fact the that everybody's going to have this bridge, baby. No, it is. Opioids. 100%. It's the bridge. It stops it, then you don't suffer, you don't relapse, and then we get you on an anti-craving. Kratom is the shady way that's not going to be able to be legally... No one's going to give it to you. <laughs> so kratom overdose... Uh, death by kratom. Kratom overdose is a subject of a concern in many countries because of the rising number of hospitalizations of death from chronic kratom use. Really? I, I'm basically, I've never I'm heard of that. I'm saying all this information because I want to build your bridge even higher right now. So I want to... That's what I want to focus on right now. According to clinical reviews, a kratom overdose can cause liver toxicity, seizures, coma, and death, especially when the combination with alcohol abuse. So kratom and alcohol are a lethal combination. Lethal. Lethal wow. combination, everybody. Did you hear that? That means if you're going to take Kratom because you want to get off opioids and you think you'll have a vodka tonic at the same time, mm -hmm. you are putting yourself in a serious world of hurt. Do you know how often probably people do that? Scary, actually, really. I mean, wow. I, I know. Uh, there's I, should, was, <sighs> I, I can't. I, I got to look at the. I'm going to look on the packaging of Kratom now. Like, that should be a warning on do not take this with like alcohol. Anyone can get involved because now it's popping up all over. And in all different stores, we need to have a kratom episode. Yeah, Seriously, no, I'll, we're, we're I'll have hook you up with episode. Robbie, and he's yeah. really he's we're like do on the head, episode. and he goes out like to fight it to get it legalized. So and, and I'll I'm get a, you set and up I have with a him. Feeling, he's like really knowledgeable. I have a feeling kratom can be used positive and negative. I really, my gut feel is that someone's going to come out and teach me kratom in a certain way being used can be used to help. I, yeah, I I'm sure there's something. I just so I don't want to focus know. on the negative here, and we're yeah, definitely going to do counterpoint. But I just want to read a couple of more things here. Between 2011 and 2017, 44 deaths were Kratom related. In one autopsy, substantial levels of M-I-T-R-A-G-Y-N-I-N-E. And uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, we're found in the blood sample. Uh, found in the additional autopsy, autopsy were high levels of that and signs of opioid toxi toxicity. 
Nine deaths occurred in Sweden. So that's probably this someone who's highly already. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, really we're talking about low glad. numbers. I know that's what I mean. We, these are really low numbers. That's, oh, okay. You're, I, I agree they're low numbers. Oh, I, I agree with you. Okay. Yeah, like Bob was talking about uh, 14 people died in Ironman races, swimming, uh, but 14 of 200, two, 2.5 million people. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is the real, this death stuff they're talking about is really low numbers. That's why I really think well, Kratom. is natural. <sighs> As of 2017, much of the pharmacology of Kratom was not well understood, having stimulant effects at low doses and opioid-like effect at high doses. That's the problem. As well as sedative and sensory That's suppressive why it's effects. That's controlled. And then if you're getting it from anywhere and people are trying to grow it, how can you control it? And then you don't know what you're getting. So then can't be FDA and there's nobody. And there's nobody um, and someone professionally. Could with it. Yeah, someone doesn't know Kratom. Uh, you're not going to know. How many people know Kratom perfectly? I mean, the research and everything. Mm-hmm. It's been around for so many years, but it's never been talked about since until now, the opioid epidemic and Kratom's coming up. We never heard about Kratom in the 70s, 60s. I know. I was actually trying to talk to our friend from the um, the mad scientist who does hair products into doing a lotion for the kratom for him. <laughs> Frank Lapani, owner it, of yeah. Alchemy Hair. Yeah. Yes, he has a phenomenal yes. product. That's who she's referencing. He small batches, and he was all about it. <laughs> He's all about trying new things. Uh, and, and I'm going <laughs> to put a little quick plug with Alchemy Hair. Okay, Go online here in Rochester. <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. No, we are supportive of everybody. Any business okay. you want to mention on here that you support, please mention it. We are okay. we are not, at this point, we're not having sponsors because I want to be a really grassroots okay. po- podcast. Okay. I'm sure at some point we'll get to that point, but not right now we want to mention everybody and yeah. promote Rochester's any way we can. So uh, Frank Lapani has made a whole hairline products. Alchemy, Katrina and myself both help support Frank it. because he's I great. I it and I got other girls and we got a whole social media campaign. Seriously. Hot, like models doing it. So. No, and, it and really it's in Hollywood. It's amazing. Now this is a girl, she's been uh, in this industry worried about hair, always looking beautiful <laughs> every day and she's saying this hair product is... The, the gel actually holds my hair a whole night of dancing without having to touch with the curls and guys just sticking their hands in my hair all night and on stage and I've never had a product do that and then I got all the dancers to start buying it and then we took it down to J Shop Wu in Tampa. My friend Amber is selling it for him down there and all those dancers are hooked on it too. This, and there's a chai shampoo. It's like pumpkin spice. <laughs> it, it, he's made all the recipes from scratch. He's 71 years old here in Rochester. Um, is one of the first graduates of like uh, the first franchise, a salon franchise um, that produced, you know, yeah. hairstylists. Like he's one of the leaders in the industry. This guy, and he's got a warehouse like 500 yards from where we're yeah. sitting right now. <laughs> and the, his products are phenomenal. Alchemy.com. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you about that, Christina. All right, so let's let's get back to kratom and the important stuff in the bridge. So that's that's I don't want to go too much in kratom. Did you learn anything else about kratom in your research before the show, Bob's? Before we start really pumping up our bridge even more. Yeah. I mean, we're gonna pump this bridge up. I just don't know much about kratom. No, it's okay. Either, so. uh, no, because <laughs> I know what I've heard is in small doses and, and how you guys yeah. been describing. So we definitely want to piggyback on. We are gonna have another kratom episode. We're gonna call yes, it kratom, okay. and we're gonna have as many people on who know the pros and cons of it and and have a good roundtable exactly. discussion about it. <laughs> Yeah, because this is a truly a horrible epidemic. Oh, it's it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. And worse, and worse. Not the kratom, but the opioids. The opioids. Yeah, no, there's so, no kratom. Yeah, no, we just want to know if kratom is a good <laughs> alternative for people. Because yeah. now there's kratom being sold at uh, vape shops. Everywhere. So I just want to get the information more out there about kratom because it's not all good. Like I, to the, Before this podcast and before I started reading this, I was thinking there was not a lot of negative about kratom. I'm, now I'm seeing it's just like everything else. You got to make sure you use the right dosage for your body yeah. to get the benefit out of it to get you off opioids. Anything can be bad for you. 
depending on what you do. Oh, I love it. And she hasn't really listened to our podcast yet, guys. And she's preaching our preach already. You are, you are up on the, uh, you're on the, I'm getting off my soapbox. Katrina is on it. So what do you see as the best thing for people that are in this environment? How can they keep themselves out other than just saying, be disciplined and be better people? Like what advice would you pass on to young girls? And how not to get it. How not to get, or no, how not to go down the road that you've seen so many of them. Oh, I mean, I say I would say no to drugs. I mean, that's it. So it's not the dancing part. It's not the, it's not the dancing. Um, Any of that piece of it, right? I didn't do drugs. I danced and I made millions of dollars. I put myself through school. I had gorgeous house, amazing cars. I I lived uh, tons of vacations. No complaints. So it's not. It's not dancing. I mean, it's not. I mean, maybe if you're an addictive personality and you can't handle the environment, you have to get out. And I mean, some people are stronger. And I went in like, I want to make money and get out. I'm not going to get it through banks. No one's going to hand it to me. I have to do it on my own. And this is what I'm going to do. And I invested all of it into businesses and flipped it and flipped it. And I had to do it harder as a female and work my way from the bottom up. And now things are a little different. But I mean, we're talking about 18 years ago. And I, I'm really smart and I always have been, and it was really hard to get people to respect me and listen to me at that age because I was young and I also looked like I was 14. It took a while. Like I'm 36 now and I don't look it. So back then think how young I really looked. So I just had to kind of weasel my way in and then people realized it. And I used to lie about my age and like jump it up. And then when I actually was like, what? <laughs> it was hard. It was a challenge. Um, He's but you gonna, took it. You took it on full, full, full store. Yeah, yeah. And you, I was, and you, I'm aggressive. I'll go for it. You know. <laughs> so I love the fact that you pretty much. I consider just being on cannabis being sober. Yeah. I mean, to go through a decade of that where you were sober, you were like owning. You must have looked like a ninja amongst children oh, yeah. on most days, and you yeah. were probably the youngest person in the room. I had a five hundred thousand dollar house. I had a Lexus. I had a BMW. I bought my ex a Rolex. I mean, we were living the life and it was off my money, my dancing and my businesses. And I didn't blow it on anything. And so many people were jealous and hated. So like, oh, she's doing prostitution, all this and that. It's like, no, I'm saving money and I'm not doing drugs while you guys are doing cocaine and you're hiding in the bathroom and you're all messed up. I'm out there greeting every guy, smiling and holding intelligent conversations. And guys in that environment appreciate that. Some guys, some guys in that environment want to go in there and have a girl that's mindless and just be fantasy girl. Yeah. They they need that because they're going home to whatever they're going home to. But some guys actually want to go in there and have conversations and develop relationships with people because they don't. Yes. So guys that are alone at home, they're watching TV. They're generally well. I mean. There's a lot of introverts that you've met in your day because oh, yeah. that are probably really smart men that mm-hmm. are quiet, sit in the corner, meet guys, right? Oh my God. So many engineers at Tally Ho in Rochester alone just don't even know how to talk to women. <laughs> They're all from RIT in that club. It's crazy. <laughs> and do you pass advice on to them? I mean, do you ever like, how, how is the, like the interaction between these? Is it just, you're there to be what they need? Like uh, kind of, I mean, but, cause you're, um, you're a smart girl. I'm a business owner and I usually get business owners and then we end up talking about business and I've given them ideas and we're, um, okay. There was the October storm that came in Buffalo and it came out of nowhere and it just destroyed the whole area really quick in a short spot. And then, so all these teams had to come in and they were trying to like cut down, um, trees and all that. And I said, I understand why there's not like a light around a chainsaw so you could work all the time with it. And the guy came back two years later after he told me to strip club, he gave me a check for $10,000 and he invented it and gave me the money. And uh, a lot of different stuff, like with restaurants, concept so ideas. How about that, I'm like an idea wait. person. Yeah, I love it because <laughs> I like to do that same thing. I like to be around people in businesses and last year yeah. post office going to sales. And I love bringing up ideas. So I love the fact that someone, the 
piece of that story is the best is you didn't expect anything from that guy. And he came there was no expectations, was no thought. You didn't reach out saying, even if you heard he made it, you would have been just happy hearing he made it. Someone not- did it, yeah, because I couldn't have done it. So I just wanted to hear it's done. She got $10,000 basically. Think about this. I don't know how many conversations you had with that guy, but that that was basically maybe a half hour half hour conversation <laughs> half hour champagne room got her 10 grand guys right $10,000 for a good idea how about palm springs first time i went to take my daughter the uber driver takes me to the airport we're smoking thc yeah. in the in the driveway of the airport with a cop going are you guys going to be here long he goes there's nobody else coming here right now we're talking business he's an uber driver only because to meet people for his business yeah like I know all the Uber drivers seem like they have another agenda. They said you can't live off just Ubers. So when I was down, I went to Hollywood, Florida. I was just there. That's where I met Mike Lohan. And um, I went and saw my friend Gabe, who actually used to work at Hollywood Treasures in Rochester. And uh, the Uber driver's like, oh, if you ever want to buy a house, you can get one. And gave me his card. And <laughs> That's what it is. It's about networking. I think it, I would have like weird things for sale. Like, oh, you need some jewelry. No, no pedaling. <laughs> I need vibrators today. <laughs> Late night stops. (laughs) So people are going to listen to your radio show. What would they hear when they dialed in? We're sex, drugs, rock and roll. We have a toy review of the week. Um, We always have something serious. So there's something on how to better your life. Uh, All different stuff. It's fun. I love it. And uh, how long have you been doing it now? Almost two years. How can people listen to to your radio show? You go 106.3 Rochester Free Radio if you're in the area of Rochester on Thursdays from 10 till midnight, or you can live stream it from there, and it's also on the TuneIn app. TuneIn? TuneIn. And then we have a YouTube channel, which is on uh, Beyond the Pole with Katrina Lee, K-A-T-R-I-N-A-L-E. And we are eventually going to fix this and get it all updated more like on iTunes type stuff and videos instead of just like the voice clips. We're getting there. I didn't know how to do this. This is all new to me. I didn't go to school for it and just kind of fell into my lap and I went for it. Jay, we have a new client here for you. <laughs> right? I need someone. Well, I don't know if you know this. So Jay Passamonte, and this is going to be my plug for Jay now. Uh-huh. Uh, the, we met through his wife. She was a bartender she is a bartender at one of the places i go to eat dinner a couple times a week okay so um stina how you doing how's your husband what's he up to i know he's a musician (laughs) i'm asking her about her husband oh nice you asked he's just starting a podcast he wants to start a podcast company i'm like i need to produce it this is the week after i I came you this is the week after i came to you and watched your show yeah i met jay that's perfect or i met his wife told me about jay it was a week or two later that jay and i hooked up and he's this is what his development is, is where we're sitting right now. Very so cool. we're all, we all kind of radio show podcast star one-on-one. I, my last Facebook post, I put up like how to listen to podcasts, okay. download it on your Wi-Fi, listen to it in the car, like a radio show without commercials. Okay. Um, that's basically how you should listen to a podcast. Uh, that way you don't use your data and you can do it while you're driving and there's no data and it's, yeah. you know, no commercials. That's what I, really, I didn't know how to do any of it because I wasn't even sure I was on the Hellbound with Halo's one. And then I didn't even know how to take their link like they had and put it on my own Instagram to share it. I was like, I'm really behind Oh, you can't do an Instagram. No, you can't. That's oh, the problem. Okay. You can't just like, share can't on Instagram. No, so that's a legitimate, you can't share like that to Instagram. That's what I found okay, out. So I, was I like, thought I could you... share the podcast to Instagram as well. And I'm, you know how you pull up on your phone or your iMac to share it to something like and no Instagram. And I'm trying to find Instagram and won't. And then I realized Instagram, you can't do that. So what I do is I will um, take the URL and I'll just put a little paragraph in there with the URL at the end if they want to. But Or I just say, find me on iTunes. I haven't found a podcast on iTunes and Podbean. Okay. On Instagram. Facebook, you can share other yeah, platforms. Yeah, so. like, I don't even know how to do that. 
Sue, I love this because, hey, I am actually the older guy actually told someone else about social media. I like that because that's the only time I'll ever say. I need to find some kids to help me. Where are my claps, Jay? Jay, where's my sound effects, my swish something? I taught someone something about social media. I love it. So what's, uh, do you have future plans? What's other than the bridge and promoting the bridge? Uh, do you have any, uh, you said you're going to be in the Hustler coming up? Hustler, yeah. It's and now America's has a photo Sexiest shoot. Entrepreneur. Has that, yeah. have you done I the shoot for that? I started it and I put it off because at the time, like I wasn't sure and my agent, like it was about four months ago. the bridge, so yeah. it was shaky. So I'm like, let's just wait, let's wait. And now we're right at the point. And um, it doesn't matter. I can do pretty much whatever I want to do. I feel like the rest of my life and reason is like it's not harming anyone at this point. So I'm do you just have gonna a manager? Have do you have a manager or do you manage yourself? Oh, I have an agent. You do? So. No, but a manager. Like for your money and all your projects and everything? Do you have, or no, do you do I it do all it all myself. Here? It's all wow. in my head. Yeah. Holy smokes. Yeah. And you sleep when? I had to compartmentalize <laughs> it all. Um, I barely sleep. And they're broken up. Like, here's a two-hour nap. Okay. <laughs> Another two hours. You know you need to get your six, seven hours. Yeah. Come on. It's less cause. <laughs> it's a carcinogen. I had to, like, smoke to sleep. Honestly. I know. That's what, so I do, I do an Indica. So I have a little um, Indica pen, and I have gummies next to my bed. So if I struggle to sleep, I can grab my Indica, and yeah. it helps me put me back to sleep. That's my play. That's my trick, by the way. Yeah, I gotta. I'm getting better. So it's all tricks, right? To figure out your body and what to shut you down. It's because hard. what is it? What is the thing that keeps you awake? It's the same as me. What is it? My mind races with ideas. We can't shut it down. I can't. And then even in the middle of the night, I wake up and it's they're really good ideas. That's the problem. If they were stupid, it'd be different. But they're really good. And I just now, <laughs> do you have a computer or pen and paper next to your bed? What is it? I moved the computer away because they say about the lights. It's mm-hmm. bad. You're not even supposed to have a TV in your room. I tried reading those, but I mean, everyone's got a TV in their bedroom. I, I mean, how else do I you don't. watch porn while you have sex? Uh, right? A computer. <laughs> you don't. You don't have a computer in your bedroom. You don't have a TV in your bedroom. No TV in my bedroom. Yes, I specifically actually don't have cable or satellite now. So the only thing I do is I watch comedy Netflix specials. My dad used to love Cheers. We used to watch it together. So I watch that for my little comedy before bed if I need something or uh, NBA TV or NBA. That's it. See, my ex, um, that's why he's an ex, but he would only watch black and white. It was only me TV and it was like Hogan's Heroes and oh, all gosh. this stuff. Like every night repetitively oh, before God. bed. And I was like, I just want to die. Torture. I can't take it anymore. So what she's <laughs> saying thought, is like, he, had, he, had rabbit ears. he had rabbit ears. Yeah, it was rabbit ears. Yeah, so he antenna. had local TVs. He had like 12 <laughs> channels. All local. Yeah, I wouldn't get any Wi-Fi. I thought aliens, people could come through and read his mind and tinfoil on the windows. I was like, okay, I can't take this. I don't care how rich you are. I don't care. I can't not live like this the rest of my life. No, you gotta have the happy medium. Like I got hit a listen to my Kevin Hart like comedy yeah. special for Philadelphia recently. Like yeah, it yeah. made me laugh for Something. an hour straight. I mean, come on. <laughs> I love laughing before bed or dancing before bed. Those are the two things that help me That's sleep, fun. I find, and then a big fat buzz. Yeah. You know, gotta. I just try to stay away from the sativas at night. I'm sativa during the day and indica at night. That's what I try to do. I don't like the high reds though. I see I don't know too much about it like that. So the sativas generally, sativas generally keep you up and indicas put you down. So if you are smoking a sativa before you go to bed, you will never shut that mind down because you're, all you're doing is activating it more. So, so when you're talking about THC, there's two, two different varieties and then you have hybrids now. The hybrids for me, I don't like the hybrids. Uh, so the one t- today, this is a hybrid, so it's a little both, okay. um, but very good quality. Um, but generally speaking, if it's a good quality hybrid, I will, but if it's a low quality hybrid, I won't even touch it because I want to go straight sativa or indica. Sativa keeps me going during the day, helps me keep me focused. The indica helps shut my mind down at night. Okay. Yeah. Probably. He, he's got 30 years of this. Yeah. That's true. It was about 30, 29. Yeah, 30 years. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and Mine's it's taken like a long time. I get. My first like, try it is good. Well, I that's, really that's how I used to be too. I didn't care. 
I until like, I met Gino three years ago, I was the same exact way. Okay. Um, <laughs> and now my my partner in crime, as far as business goes, he's the one who taught me all about this. So prior, yeah. I was with you. I was just whatever anybody gave me, I did and said, why did this? Trust why was whatever. I up on this? And and why could I sleep on this one? And yeah. now I knew. Oh, there's different strains because this is how I. The best way for me to describe cannabis plant to people is using the tomato plant. Tomato plant. You don't use the same kind of tomatoes to put on your salad. Cherry tomatoes are different. The plum tomatoes different. The Roma. The, you have different tomatoes for whatever. Cannabis is the same way. There's a bunch of varieties of cannabis. Some have CBD. Some has THC. Some THC sleepy. Some is active. I have a funny story. I can't like say it. exactly who is linked with tomato plants just because uh-huh. I'm like, oh. My family might kill me. But um, so when I was younger, I was told that they were growing tomato plants in the closet and they'd have all these purple lights and it was really exciting. And then they my uh, neighbor went as far as to put little tomatoes in there and then they would let us like pick them and stuff. We would play hide and go seek in the closet. And then I went into first grade show and tell and I started telling the class about the tomato plants and the purple lights and it was all ripped out the next day. Okay. I didn't know what it was. I turned 16. I was like, oh, I get it now. The tomato plants in the closet. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's new code. Yeah. <laughs> but we did trial and error back what? in the day, Bob. Didn't what? we? At his apartment, we had one of the little incubators. We had a little plant that would go in there, but no, we never let it finish. I, don't I think, think the worst part of that experiment is that my landlord who lived downstairs was a cop. Yeah. yeah no, that was the best part of that. Wait, that was the best part of that experiment, by the, the way. Wait, he was a cool cop, too, by the way. <laughs> yeah. We, I mean, we, he had cop was awesome. He, we, but we were respectful, too. We weren't yeah. jerkbags. Oh, there was so much we went over today. Can you give all your social media places for people to find you again real quick? I am Katrina, K-A-T-R-I-N-A, Lee, L-E-E on Facebook. I'm also Katrina, L-E-E, L-E-E. And that's my rehab Facebook page. And that's all clean. It's not perverted jokes on the adult industry or anything. And then I have um, Cats Meow Cares, K-A-T-S Meow, M-E-O-W, K-A-R-E-S. And that is a page on psychopathic narcissistic abuse and domestic issues. We have Recovery Now New York on um, Facebook. And that's for any of the Gates to Recovery or the rehab groups, the Sober High School. Um, I have Not Just a Pretty Face on Facebook. We have The Bridge. There's so many. It's crazy. Bob's <laughs> eyes are so wide right now. I'm very keep track active. Of them all. I got like 22 pages. I also started the strip club pages for most of the clubs around here before when the owners didn't know what Facebook was and they're all linked to me still. <laughs> you you need an entourage. I can reach you like 50,000 people on Facebook. You need a secretary and entourage. <laughs> right. No, I'm thinking she almost, that's why I asked you about a manager. It almost seems like you need someone as that sidekick. I to probably be sidekick. do. I yeah. definitely need like a. So. She she actually uh, just to put it out there she brought a lot of interns into Rochester Free Radio uh, this fall mm-hmm. right yeah. and so how about people who are, are looking to be interns I know my my son and a lot of his friends listen to this podcast um, so pass on if people are interested to get into the radio field or to get into helping yeah, some of your we're looking for interns please. I can help you out um, people who work specifically with my show I'm looking for more characters because um, we're the adult industry too so mm-hmm. i can get you into movies uh tv shows literally if you start my show i could get you on six tv shows within a week wow. and multiple radio shows so anybody out there listening to the podcast that has some kind of wants to have some kind of career in marketing because mm-hmm. obviously katrina you're hearing social what she's doing marketing. here social media marketing reach uh, out to even her uh, rehab groups if you're like in a social work background and you want some experience or volunteer work hey if you even got in trouble and you need help volunteering i will link you with a lot of these great groups that make a difference and they will always, they always need help. 
Thor's, Be the Change, Evergreen Memorial. There's tons. So all no the hash, do you know what's going to be the worst part next Thursday night? When I go to post this episode and I'm on Podbean and I'm having to hashtag everything that was referenced here today. Like, it's going to be the seriously hashtag, hashtag like. Hashtag like, bridge, hashtag kratom. Yeah, so, yeah, keep going. Hashtag <laughs> gates to recovery. Hashtag recovery New York. Sober high school. Hashtag sober high school. Hashtag Katrina Lee rocks. Yeah, I'm glad it's you and not me. She rocks. I'm so glad you guys asked me on. No, I mean, Katrina Lee, seriously, you are an inspiration and you helped me. I I had an uncle who was very special to me and understood people real as they are. He yeah. never judged. He could be in any dive bar, any strip club, anywhere. And he's going to meet everybody and talk to everybody, right? Like, like if he walked in and you were at that place, you and him would have been talking I all night sure long. And right it would, there would have been no dance at yeah. all. You wouldn't have given a crap if he gave you 10 bucks or not. Yeah. He probably would have given you 100 knowing full well you could have made 100 with dances with someone else. Yeah. He would have given you that 100. I know you've met guys like that. Oh yeah, a lot of guys pay me Please. just to sit there and they give me money, especially on day shifts. Like they're all uh, business owners. They don't want the dances. They want the conversation. Okay, please. Can we get dig into this a little bit? Yeah. I'm a firm believer. After my uncle died, I would go to the Mirage here a little bit because I needed a place to go at certain weeknights when I knew I wanted to dance a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Right? And I didn't, the girls there know I don't pay for dances. I don't do many dances, but I've befriended many people at the Mirage. Yeah. Over the last two to three months to the point where I consider some of my friends now and I would look out for them. Yeah. Very similar people to Katrina. I'm finding more people like Katrina than the 18-year-old heroin addicts here at the Mirage. is one local club in Rochester. So yep. I want to give them a little shout out. Um, obviously, managing could be a little bit better to help their girls make money, but that's my last <laughs> negative plug about the Mirage. The girls themselves are, are clean, good girls. They care about the people they're with. Tell, t- explain a little bit. I, I'm not a judgmental person, so I have no issue, but I see people walk in that environment. They come in with an attitude or a certain way about them like they think they know what's going on in this place. Explain a little bit about the real, honest-to-goodness good stuff in clubs. that, Like, like guys that come to pay you not to dance, I love that. Most there's, people not know that. There's all different levels. It depends on what clubs. There's good clubs, and then there's, like, bad clubs. So the Mirage is a higher-level club, Tally Ho is, and you get the girls who really aren't as bad on drugs, and they'll, like, fire you if you start getting bad. So if you go to, like, maybe the cordial, then you get more issues. But a lot of guys honestly come in just because they're lonely or conversation. On day shifts or earlier shifts, Mirage does not have that. Tally Ho does a lot of business owners a lot of um guys whose wives passed away and they're just kind of lonely um a lot of business travelers different stuff like that um I really loved it uh I've been with building my businesses and setting up the bridge I am amazingly connected because of the strip clubs I realize I know almost everyone in every field so I got a new doctor yesterday, and um, I my doctor switched. I didn't realize when I went in there, he turned out he was my old customer. <laughs> I was laughing. So was he uncomfortable? Was he comfortable? No, I know no, you he were. was laughing. I was fine. I love we were oh, talking. Yeah, yeah. I didn't oh, care. It was doing. great. Yeah, like, he already knew my background. So I was trying to tell him that I had a drinking problem, and I was trying to keep it in check. He's like, I remember. You never really drink. I'm like, no. When I turned 30-something in the divorce, then the problem started. It wasn't there then. <laughs> so think about this, guys. He hadn't seen her, obviously, in over six, seven, eight years. Yeah. He remembered her story. That's how much of a connection they had yeah. as it was more than just a customer. You say the word customer. That's not what it was. You guys are friends. No, no. Friend. I called them friends. 
I really didn't view my customers because especially people who are there on a regular basis, um, you be, get bonds. It's different. And like uh, because my ex is the owner and um, manager and everything. And then I actually really wasn't a dancer. I was more of the store waitress greeting everyone. Like I, I, I remember names and everyone. And it was so easy just to set up stuff. Like I know printers. I know just so much. Doctors, everyone, lawyers. Cowan's politicians. It's so easy to push this through. A lot of politicians are in strip clubs. <laughs> it goes hand in hand. Heck yeah. <laughs> they need to release somehow safely to not exactly. have someone rat them out or something. I mean, it's a legal place to be. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with it. And, and to it's be honest, it's a tradition in society with weddings. So no matter what, every man pretty much has been in a strip club. It's just a as far as the bachelor party. Yeah, a bachelor, the bachelor party. party. And I'm not saying you're there fiending away. Yeah, so you're around that. Now, before I started going to Mirage here in the last couple months, I've probably been in a strip club maybe 10 times my whole life just because I always felt uncomfortable in that environment yeah. for whatever reason. It was it was me issue. It was a me issue, nobody else issue. Uh, now I'll go in it. I'd rather go to a strip club than uh, a bar with a bunch diamonds. of pre- pretentious people in it. Yeah. I would rather be in a strip club than a bar with a bunch of pretentious people. I would have a much better time at a Mirage than at... I don't want to name a, like any pretentious club. So I was just in Florida and I went down by myself and I was doing sales and talking about the bridge. And I went to a regular bar in which I felt like I wasn't safe at all and like being preyed upon. And then I was like, the safest place if you're a female traveling alone is a strip club. Every one of the bouncers, everyone watches you. There's cameras everywhere and they will walk you and make sure you're safe to your car. So I decided I'd rather dance and make extra money instead of go out like that. And I made $5,000 in Deja in less than four hours mm-hmm. and it's because on of her personality now if she was all was cranked like, up awesome. on something if she was all cranked up on something and she couldn't hold conversations and didn't remember because probably some of the people she made money off that night were built through relationships leading to that i night. got an extremely well-off educated pig farmer who pretty much bought my whole night and and you want because I kept talking and holding conversation and he was fascinated that's right he's like holy smokes you are freaking incredible <laughs> like we are <laughs> it was great but yeah, no, I see it. it's like ups and downs. And I of bet course. you met Diamond at the Mirage. I love her with Danielle. Yeah, She's been there forever. Mm-hmm. When I was there and as a manager, she started when she was 18 and I helped train her and she's still there now. She's like a ring card girl too. <laughs> oh, is she really? I don't, yeah, yeah I, I must know who she is. She yeah, I'm sure she's there all the time. Yeah. She's got fake boobs and actually most of the girls are there. <laughs> no, they do. And, but the girls are great. Like, uh, one is a massage therapist yeah. and I can't get into my regular massage therapist. So she, uh, during the day, her side job, yeah. and she cured a neck issue I had two weeks ago, which before I left for, left for Vegas, right. I was totally libnered up so I could dance eight hours a day in Vegas for four straight days. Most of these girls all are um, very creative. Usually anything <sighs> dancing, like you're musically inclined or there's something theater, there's a background. So I'm not saying they're all like math scientists and whizzes, but no, I, mean, I was like the one percent on that, but. <laughs> How about there's there's one uh, girl who is a waitress at Mirage who actually has two a, a child of her own and she's adopted three of her cousins or three of her nieces and nephews because Aww, of her sister amazing. and and them. her job and she owns a house manages the kids basically and works three days a week. There is her income. Yeah. A and lot she of it is sometimes like they're just stories of girls working really hard to get their life back and it's great that you can go into a strip club like that and make money that fast and is better because they wouldn't be able to support or do what they're doing without it. That's exactly right. So I am always a heavy tipper in that environment because I know these girls by the more they make there, the less chance they're doing other crap yep. away from there. And I know it, that's the way my I uncle agree. took the, that's how I started the whole conversation was that's how my uncle looked at things. Well, I think in this environment you get real people. I, I hate the people it. who come in and look with that judgmental eye or that look. 
So I made a bunch of t-shirts and sweatshirts okay. for this podcast with my logo on it. Right. This is a this is a little society thing. When I go into I went into the Mirage with it, mm-hmm. anybody around me wanted to ask me about it. When okay. I went into the Rochester Sports Garden uh, basketball to play basketball, it's a local place here to play basketball. I can now hang my sign there, and we've been wearing shirts, and everybody's been coming over and talking to my cousin and I. Like my cousin, I was in Vegas the first night. He goes, Brian, like ten people <sighs> hitting their chest. Looking at my shirt with the podcast logo with the weed leaf and the yeah. exercise on it going, yeah, like everybody loved <laughs> my cousin that day because that shirt. But I go in with that same sweatshirt into the Pittsburgh pub. The Pittsburgh is like the hoity-toity. Uh, if there's pretentious people in Rochester, that's probably the place it is. I don't want to say it's a pretentious bar because the bartenders there, the management staff's great. So I don't want to dis- disparage, but the people who go there... So I get a bunch of people whispering around me and not one person outright asked me about it. But I heard many people whispering, but I wasn't going to like yeah. play into that to, to go into them because they think, oh, I'll draw this guy's attention by whispering just loud enough. So I just sat there my own way. Now, any other, like I said, the sports car and all these other places, but that place, everybody just wants to whisper around me and not I, write to me to ask me about it. Yeah, Pittsburgh Pub, that's the place where a lot of uh, escorts go to look for guys. It's one of them along with, there's a couple of places around us. That's good to know. <laughs> I love that. There is. <laughs> oh, but just one. They always go to Hungry's and that Thursdays too. Oh, yeah, right there. Yeah, Pittsburgh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. And you know what the funny thing is? I lived there for a while, and uh, for a while I was going to Pittsburgh Pub because yeah. it would be about next bar I play basketball. And I never Cougars noticed it. Yeah, well, the Cougars I see, but I've never seen escorts yeah, like that. That's yeah. interesting. That yeah, well, now they don't look, look as obvious. No, I was going to say because I'm pretty. Know, but they're higher end escorts. I'm pretty so. pay attention. I know and a couple yeah, it's funny. No, I think that's <laughs> awesome. I mean, it's, it's a good spot, really. And they just it's play Horizons inside Woodcliff. Woodcliff is a lot, a lot of escorts there in Old Men, you'll see. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. Yeah, what's that? Oh, Woodcliff. <laughs> Uh, the Woodcliffe was great. We had my da- my daughter and son's um, rehearsal dinner there. Thank you very much, the Martin's family, for the Woodcliffe. That was a very nice evening. It's a great place. Love it. That's why they take them there. So you feel special and fancy. Yeah, you definitely feel special and fancy. <laughs> the things you learn that just never end. They have fancy the rooms. There's like staircases and stuff in them. <laughs> Yeah, Woodcliffe is definitely the the top the top dog in Rochester. So if you're someone from coming into Rochester and you want a, a place outside of the city to stay, a it's nice a good too. great view. Um, it's up on a hill, a uh, little nine hole golf course. It's small, but um, it's a very nice. It's a great spot if you have money and you really want to enjoy your time here in Rochester. That's definitely the place to go by far. But if you want to be in the city and get the flair, the Strathallen can give you something yes. similar experience as I'm far as ring card girl for their boxing event coming up. So. Oh, are you? Yeah. I love it. Uh, Strathallen's another great like place that. for that, too. So um, now let's get off those places back to the real places again. <laughs> so, um, I let, so real quick, if I was a gentleman going to Erie, Pennsylvania, or Buffalo, or Rochester, okay, or, or do you know much about Syracuse? Not as okay, much. Okay, so those three cities, if I was a gentleman that I would want to go to the, the best spot to meet some good dancers, strip clubs, I don't want to use that word, dance places, what, what, of those three cities, where would you you would yourself take out your man if the two of you were going out to one? I wouldn't let my man go in Erie PA. <laughs> it's free for all. You get sex. It's full service. So Erie PA is just Erie's crazy. anything. So if you want that and you want to get laid, it's $10, bring your own beer, close off private rooms. It's $90 for a half hour. The going tip rate is 100 bucks. but you're talking about girls just nonstop doing it. Uh, and who have been working there for years and years and can't get out. Um, mm. If you go to Fredonia, which is in between Dunkirk, there's only one club as Rebels. That's not bad. My daughter uh, went to school at Fredonia. That's that one's okay. It switches hands a lot and just doesn't seem to maintain, so it's hard. This 
I mean, if you're there this year, only twice. Um, honestly, Buffalo, it's a while I'm not a fan of the X, it's Pharaohs. It really is hands down. It's See, by like the airport it. on the club that was next to it. It's gorgeous, but it closed. But it is, I mean, they did a great job. I worked so hard for years building it up. And um, the staff are the same people that were there. And they're amazing. And there's drop-dead gorgeous girls. And Rochester, I would say, I mean, uh, Taylor Ho has more hours. The Mirage is there. But, I mean, I would say it's Taylor Ho right now. Be the best. Mirage isn't bad, but it's not in the best area for tourists, and there's not as many like hotels and stuff at night. And I just want to put a plug out for one other place that um, I think is well run. I'm not sure why it gets a bad rap sometimes. The Barrel of Dolls. Um, uh, the Barrel of Dolls. Barrel? One of the problems yeah. is is that it's not in the best area, and there's a group of bad people who sit inside the building, and they're texting other people, and they're letting them know when men who have money or people who are drinking are there, and then you're getting robbed, and there's been a stream of like a stream of stabbings that are occurring down the street, so they're targeting you to get robbed. Are you sure that's been happening recently? Uh, it happened. It's been an ongoing issue. Is it? Interesting. Because mm-hmm. uh, they're having security Especially on the industry right night. They had to bump it up because oh. it was getting so out of control. Interesting. Because they started the industry night. So they're getting all these people like bringing all these dollar bills, making a stacks of rain. And uh, it's wild. I would say go to the barrel on Sundays. It's oh, right. uh, packed. It's great. Yeah. But it's a club. It's not really a strip club. It's like a nightclub and everyone's in like little dresses. It is a little nightclub, yeah. Okay. I don't know. They did fix it. I um, the Back inside in the day, nice. the they Barrel of Dolls, were, yeah. they would be like, that's where strippers go to die. But they did get new ownership. They did remodel it. I know Nancy, who actually started it when yeah. it was a barrel of fun. And she's married to Drew um, Nye from Blossom. That's uh, her the father. Mm-hmm. And he's a professor at RIT. And she's like a different character. She's great. And they used to have a big Jesus. They used to have a Jesus over there yeah. and no, everything. Right. And the girls had to be on the altar. And it was crazy. They just had an anniversary the Jesus in last the strip week. club. They had an anniversary party Five years. Week, right? Five years. So five years is the current owner. Yeah. And that's, is that the girl you taught? No, 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 Nancy's guy. older. That was, she's okay. the one who started it when it was a barrel of fun, when it was like that. So I, I don't know much about it. I was just curious. So and the only reason I brought this up for everybody else is because as a guy, I never knew where to go. If you're going to learn who to go from, why wouldn't you ask the girl who's been Yeah, people ask me all the time. Right now, um, it was Vixen's. It's going to turn back into Foxy's like it used to be. And they're um, doing a lot of changes oh, in the more direction. I, right now, that one's more up and coming. And Playmates is in Batavia. So I wouldn't say it's really Rochester. I have an adult store inside there. Um, they have a triple X license and it's live sex shows. So the girls are like dildo shows. They're having sex with each other on stage. Um hot plugs that are sparkly is pretty intense you can't do anything in the back but um it got kind of wild there shower shows is 18 and over no alcohol but it's nude and the girls can jump off the stage on your lap and do dances for like a dollar right there so it's your best bet financially guys but i mean and it's near the the casino out there it is and it's like you get a lot of people from rochester who go there who are married and they're trying to hide so they're not in the actual rochester clubs because kind of middle of nowhere yeah, that's interesting. So Batavia is kind of uh, between... It's more Byron. Yeah, yeah, Byron. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Most people don't know what Byron is, so you say Batavia. No, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a little road that runs between Byron and the end of 490 to Batavia. Yep. That's pretty much it. <laughs> oh, that's right. Um, we have taken up a lot of your time. 
I am absolutely. Is there anything else you would like to plug or something I didn't ask? Um, no, I don't know. I think we're pretty good. I hope you will come back uh, when I we will. talk about Kratom. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I'm thinking um, we will give you two and, and a half be, month I'll break. I'll have more knowledge. So I'm going to give you two and a half month break. I actually we'll like, see what happens. Every the tenth episode might change by then. That's right. That's why Kratom. I want to wait. Yeah. So so because on episode ten and twenty thirty, I'm doing special ones, kind of personal, and cool. I want to follow those up with you with some kind of opioid update. Cool. So like you so you'll be episode twenty one. Sounds good. Um, so yeah, so we'll give you two months to prepare and we'll all prepare to make sure because I want to make sure it's a good in-depth talk yeah. about all sorts of uh, recovery from and, and hopefully your bridge will be out. And it about. is. We already have the first doctor here. No, that's what I mean. So hopefully in two and a half months we'll be able to talk even more about the bridge. You get one of the first people who use the bridge on. That's kind of, oh, you read my mind. Yeah, I would awesome. love, no, I would love to, yeah. So, or and set up maybe the doc, one of the doctors that are working yeah. on that here. I'd love to have a forum where we all talk yeah, about opioid. Would yeah, be around a, a round table? It would be People, a roundtable. Yeah, roundtable discussion. <laughs> All right, thank you, everybody. I appreciate you being on. I really enjoyed this episode, Katrina. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for having me on. <laughs> You're the best. <laughs>